Hey. Hey, you. Did you know that in the original He-Man cartoon for the 1980s, He-Man could not use his sword as an offensive weapon or punch or kick anyone due to the broadcast standards of the period? In fact, he was mostly non-violent and usually just outsmarted his enemies. Did you know that we have a Patreon? <laughs> well, check it out. You can find it in the links inside the episode descriptions or at our official website. It's a great way to support the show and even get yourselves shouted out at the end of every month. It really helps us out, and we are eternally grateful to each and every one of you that supports us. But for now, honestly, I really hope you just enjoy this episode. Who remembers that? You remember the new 50? No. Oh, I remember the new 50 so well. When it came out, it was like this whole thing, the new $50 bill. I probably had never held one in my hand at that point. Not I remember when they redid the $100 <laughs> bill. I remember that because I was like, this looks so dumb. It looks fake. No, oh, they re- yeah, the new 100 did look fake. No, they re- they redid the new 50 in 97 and I re- I remember that. Um, but maybe oh, shit. <laughs> maybe I'm I'm IDing my privilege. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I had I had lots of $50 bills. What are you talking about? Yeah, I was I was 9 years old. <laughs> yeah, that's actually maybe I did just cite my own privilege. When I saw oh. this on the list of things that happened, I was like, "Oh yeah, I remember when we got the new 50." Oh my god. <laughs> I was like, that's a fun one, I remember. Let's give him a good news. We got one! And I'm like, yo, when are we going to get a burrito and sit out and like get for real. margaritas and sit out on this deck? At the like, buffet. Yes. Oh, margaritas at the midnight, at the midnight buffet. buffet. Oh, God. How long have we? All right. Let's go. Let's roll. <laughs> a minute <laughs> Just, and a half. Oopsie. I didn't, I didn't realize I hit that, but yeah. Let's go. Happy birthday, Nicole. Happy birthday. Yeah. We're, thank you so much for letting us, uh, Letting us do both a request the timeline and an official birthday request. This is going to be awesome. This is this is a uh, request the timeline episode, but it is a little bit different because Nicole requested not one but three different movies that we were allowed to choose which one we're going to do. Very exciting. So yeah, Nicole had said for her birthday, uh, requested that we choose either Romeo and Juliet from 1996, Titanic from 1997. Uh, Phantom of the Opera from 2004 or Crybaby from 1990. And we went with just unequivocally the best of those movies, oh, Titanic yeah. from 97. <laughs> and and timing works out great because it's only one year ahead of where we actually are in the timeline. Yeah. So while, while it is a Miss Minutes request the timeline temp pad episode, uh, not by too much. We're just popping ahead by a year and we'll pop back to 96. It's, uh, I was watching this. It was, I was really excited. Um, this is, if any of you are keeping track because I am, this is our first official episode based on an actual historical event. We have had other movies in the past that have taken place during important historical events or been based on historical people. Lindsay just reminded me that the closest one was actually, uh, Pocahontas, mm-hmm. obviously with some extremely creative liberties taken. Or just outright wrong. Yeah, um, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
Um, to say the this, least. Yeah, basically. Um, but this one is actually the first official film we've ever done that's based on a, an actual historical event. We won't get another one until we do Saving Private Ryan. Um, but even then, it's like there's no, there was no actual mission for them. This is like the Titanic was real. It really went down. This is exactly how it went down. The only real fictional part is Jack and Rose, which, which is the best part of this movie. So. I saw a TikTok the other day of these like Gen Zs losing their shit and Googling it and freaking out that Titanic Jack happened. and Rose aren't real. No, not oh that they God. obviously they knew Titanic happened, but they were like, wait, Jack and Rose weren't real people. Like we thought they were historical figures. And it's like, oh, to have been born. After, oh, I know. After this movie came out, and it's and think that this is real, and these kids were like legitimately upset. Dude, wow. Also, well, so there was actually a real Jay Dawson. He was a member of the engineering crew on the Titanic, and he perished. His grave is marked as Jay Dawson Dawson in, I believe, Scandinavia. Crazy. But, <clears throat> yeah, any hoodles down in Whoville. Um, this was a phenomenal treat to get through. And I want you guys to know that most of the time when we do these movies or when we just when we do a movie in general, our our notes are usually about two or three pages long. Three and to five. Three to yeah. five. Depending on how invested I am. That's true. Yeah. Depending on if we have like some crazy shit to talk about. Every fucking corner of this movie has some crazy shit to talk about. We have almost nine pages of notes, so buckle the fuck up. Yeah, we have a lot to say about this movie. I'm really excited about it. Like, I I put this on, and within, within about five seconds of the movie starting, I had already texted Scott and been like, this is going to be the longest episode yeah. of our lives. Like, I already have so much to say about this. I love it. Uh, thank you so much, Nicole, and happy birthday. Like, this was super, super, super fun. I'm so glad we got to do this. For um, sure. So, yeah, we're doing Titanic. Take it away. We're doing Titanic, uh, written and directed by James Cameron, who um, was also a producer on the movie, starring <clears throat> starring Kate Winslet as Rose DeWitt Bucator, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio as Jack Dawson, and Billy Zane as, how do you? Kaladin. Kaladin Hockley. Cal. Yeah, which I got to tell you, asshole. like, I know he's a dick in this movie, but Kaladin is actually a pretty dope name. I'm just going to say that right now. Like that's, I've never seen that until I was going through the notes on this. Cause they only ever call him Cal or mm-hmm. Mr. Hockley. Yeah. Um, and the score composed by James Horner is just epic, which we'll talk about, but like really, really worth Perfection. mentioning that up front. What else has, uh, James Horner has also done like avatar. Like he's kind of James Cameron's. Guy. Yeah. He's kind of James Cameron's guy, kind of like John Williams is George Lucas's guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he also did like Braveheart and um, yeah, I mean, you said it. he did uh, Avatar. He did <clears throat> Legends of the Fall. He also did the first Amazing Spider-Man. All right. So he's incredible. <laughs> Let's dive right in, right into the plot on this one. Yeah. Rose DeWitt Bucator boards the Titanic, desperate to escape an arranged marriage and a miserable life in Philadelphia high society. But in a harrowing meet-cute, she finds love in Jack Dawson, a charming rogue artist traveling to America to seek his fortune. Rose boldly decides that when they arrive in America, she will leave with Jack and live her best life riding horses on the beach with her beautiful soulmate. Though disappointed... Her family allows this, and Jack and Rose live happily ever after in California, have lots of babies, and die old and happy in their beds. That's it, folks. Nothing to see here. Move along. Women and children first. Yep. Very, very crystal cut. 
happy ending for everybody. 100%. That's what happened. I don't know what you guys are talking about, about the rest of it. That's, I don't know what historical event you're referring to. Just Jack and Rose lived happily ever after. Everything's fine. Podcast over. It was just a rowboat right across the lake. That's all it was. Nothing to see here. (laughs) The number of times that I honest to God have turned this movie off when they hit the iceberg. Oh, when they hit the iceberg? Yeah. I think every like many many like the last several mm-hmm. times like i haven't seen this movie all the way through in a long time i actually will stop yeah. it at that point and just be like and oh, what yeah. a beautiful love story that's crazy <laughs> wow i love their story so so lovely everyone's gonna yeah. go have a nice night's sleep no nightmares no sounds everything's great. actually i'm pretty sure because when this first came out you guys gotta remember it was the late 90s so dvd wasn't a thing yet so this came out on vhs and the movie was so huge it was so long that it had to come out on two vhs is that right yeah wow i'm pretty sure the movie ends the first tape i'm pretty sure the first tape ends right when the boat hits the iceberg and then it's like flip to side b not really it doesn't say that but like you know (laughs) See you on the other tells you to put the, the other one in yeah um for even on the dvd uh when i had the dvd of gone with the wind the dvd of gone with the wind has two discs because it was too yep. big mm-hmm. um so all right let's go you can okay we can find this on amazon but yeah i believe that um my friend who's amazon i use might have bought this movie because i just was able to watch it but i'm not sure it's actually free to stream on amazon oh i just watched it Oh, is it actually free then? Okay. Yeah, I never I dealt with it. Oh, yeah, I guess that's true. I have Kim's Amazon and like her her siblings are on that. So like all the kids mm. and stuff, they own like every movie. So half the time I'm like not even sure if it's free or if it's just free to me. Um but yeah, it's on Amazon. And let's jump into the timeline. Yeah, let's go. Because we're jumping into the future. <laughs> yeah, we are. We've got to pull out the temp pad and head into the future by one year into nineteen ninety seven. Um, and, uh, since we do have so many movies in every year now, I am giving a little bit less in each historical context. So if there's stuff that you're missing here, don't worry, keep, keep an eye out. It'll come out with the later 97 episodes. Uh, but in 1997, Diana, princess of Wales was killed in a car crash in Paris. It's kind of the biggest headline. Yeah. U S treasury introduced a redesigned $50 bill. Uh, talk to me about the Rotten Tomatoes score on this. This this fucking cr- I have th- I have things to say. This is a crime. I don't understand this. Eighty eight percent on the tomato meter makes sense. Adds up. I get it. One sure. of the top grossing films low. of all time. A little bit low, but whatever. Sixty nine nice percent audience <laughs> score. What? What? The actual fuck? fuck? Yeah, dude. Like, what? I don't. So, like, to put it in context for you guys, Endgame, the reigning champ, top-grossing film of all time, until Avatar cheated and re-released in theaters, has a ninety-four percent tomato meter and a ninety percent audience score. I don't understand how, with numbers like this, for 69% audience score, this was a top-grossing film of all time. How can audiences say this was a trash movie? And I have friends who are like, I saw this like nine times in theaters. I don't I don't get it. I think I do. And it's something that I didn't really put in the notes very much, but that we can – we'll probably talk about uh, when we talk about Jack and Rose. This movie was like extremely popular and also extremely – unpopular because of its popularity it was one of the first things that it became like 
on it became like cool to like the to not sorry you became, it became cooler to hate it it became cool to hate it yeah it yeah. became cool to not like the thing that was cool like to be counterculture it's this was like yeah. a counterculture thing and i kind of wonder if that's where the audience score is coming from and even some of my friends who i said like this week that we we're doing this were like i was like oh my god this is so good <clears throat> while i was rewatching it and people are like really and I'm like, yeah. And and so I wonder if uh, some of that counterculture stuff is playing a role in the audience score because it's a it's a I big gap it. from the 88 on the tomato meter. And honestly, I think the 88 is low given that uh, Segway Queen, the number of uh, awards Oscars. that it won. Yeah, because yeah. it won awards everywhere. And it is the most, like it still holds the Oscar record, right? So it had 14 mm-hmm. nominations and 11 wins, including Best Picture. And it is still the record because other movies have the same number of nominations, but I didn't see any. Nobody has more than 14 that I that I saw. And no. this is like the highest percentage of wins for a movie with that many nominations. Nobody who has 14 nominations has more wins than Titanic with uh, uh, 11 wins. But it's not the biggest sweep. Return of the King has the biggest sweep with uh, 11 out of 11. They got 11 I was going to say, it wasn't. Yeah, Return of the King got everything it was nominated for. Yeah, but it had it only had 11 nominations to Titanic's 14. Mm-hmm. And there's other movies with 14 nominations, but none of them have 11 or more wins. Like Titanic is the most winning uh, uh, Oscar nominated yeah. movie. And so it won Best Picture, Best Director, Art Direction, Cinematography, Costume Design, Film Editing, Original Dramatic Score, Original God Song. Damn right, James Best, Warner. Yeah. Uh, original song, sound, sound effects, editing, and visual effects, and it was nominated for but lost Best Actress, Best Supporting Actress, and Best Makeup were the ones that it didn't didn't take home. Uh, and Leo, no nomination. Well, yeah, that's where it all started. <laughs> yeah, like, for why right? would you get this? Like, what the fuck? Like, I. <laughs> That I just the fact that Leonardo DiCaprio had to like eat an actual like raw bear on screen while nearly freezing to death, like yeah. to win oh, an Oscar. I love those memes, dude, where they're like, he survived a fucking like sinking ship. He had to die while some chick sat on a door, but he had to get mauled by a bear to win a fucking Academy Award. He should have won for uh Wolf of Wall Street, is my, I my agree. view. Yeah, absolutely I think that's I agree. Where he should have won. Um yep. He was also really good in The Departed. God, that's uh, a good movie too. I know. But anyway, um, so this was in- incredibly like winning despite only having that like B plus critic score, which is just mm-hmm. so weird. Yeah. Um, and money-wise, uh, money <laughs> yeah, Scott, what was the top grossing movie of 1997? Golly gee willikers, Batman. I fucking wonder. It was absolutely this, Um, which looking back on it now in 97, I was kind of shocked to remember like what movies it had to compete with. And it Mm -hmm. makes sense why this wins. Dude, I came out against a lot. Yeah, I know. You're competing with Men in Black, the first Men in Black and the sequel to Jurassic Park. And the which, Batman and Robin, which I know wasn't great, but like a lot of people. It's still went another to see. Batman movie. Yeah, it's a yeah. Batman movie. Like it, it, there was a lot that came out in '97. Yeah, for a romantic slash disaster movie to beat the likes of like 
the Lost World or another Batman movie is like unheard of. And I think, again, this starts this trend that we start seeing slowly after this and building up year over year in the Academy Awards where historical events start winning Academy Awards over other like crazy shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that's like, I think that's where the money comes from too, is people are like, dude, we get to see like what it was like. Like if we made a movie like this about the Hindenburg, and there were two people like in love on the Hindenburg and one of them had to go down. Guaranteed this would be it'd be Titanic 2.0. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But it's that's a pretty winning be, formula. It is. And that's it, this Titanic became a worldwide phenomenon. It is legitimately next to Star Wars and any of the Marvel movies that we've covered to this point. It is the first movie that became a global phenomenon without being attached to some kind of like saga or bigger universe or something like that it mm-hmm. at its worldwide gross it made 1.8 billion dollars and it was the highest grossing film not just that we've reviewed so far but of all time until 2009 when james cameron did it again with avatar yeah and what was so crazy about this too is is how much its money was made based on word of mouth and repeat viewing. Because like you said, yeah. there's a lot happening that was like existing IP. Like by far the biggest opening of 97, opening weekend is The Lost World by mm-hmm. a shitload. If you, like it, Titanic did not make as much money in its opening weekend as you would think, like as something like an Endgame, for instance, made yeah. over a billion dollars in its opening weekend. Um, yeah. Titanic was a slow crawl because it was so much about word of mouth and repeat viewings. And like, I remember um, <clears throat> that year, Titanic played for over six months in theaters. I think. Yeah. My and- mom took my sister and I out of school to go see this. Yeah. I remember. I went- She'll tell you she didn't do that, but I remember mom. I went like seven times in the theater to see this movie and it became its own thing, which Mm -hmm. I I think, I think this is the only time that a movie like this has existed where it wasn't just that it was still in theaters and people went to see it a few times each. It going to see Titanic became an activity in and of itself separate from going to the movies because people still went to see other movies and it wouldn't be like, do you want to go see a movie? Yeah. Should we see Titanic again? Yeah. It would be like, do you want to go see Titanic? Yeah. Like, should we go do Titanic? Yeah. Like, you want to do was, Titanic tonight? Like, do you want to set three hours of your life aside to go see this again? Fuck yeah, Seven I do. times I went to see it in theaters over those yeah. six months. Like, it was just a thing that it was like once a month, they'd be like, Titanic? Like, and we would just go, even though we saw it way more than that in like the first month, right? It was probably oh, for sure. front loaded, to be fair. Yeah. But it, it did become an uh, become an activity in and of itself, uh, which I think is crazy. Like, people were still going to see other movies, but because this was so much a phenomenon it was like its own separate activity so um fucking just totally crazy and yeah it was the highest grossing movie of all time for a long time against a 200 million dollar budget crazy yeah right for you to make a hundred times what or 10 times what this movie cost to make fuck out of here that's insane dude yeah it's and it was just, it was unexpected. Like, it shouldn't have happened. Like, it just became yeah. so popular. All right. Let's talk about all the real life shit <laughs> that this movie is based on before we talk about the movie itself. Let's yeah. go through this stuff. As I titled it, the boring historical stuff. <laughs> yeah. Hit me, with, hit me with all of that stuff. I'm going to try and treat this like a documentary because this is how most of that information, like, appeared to me. So 
I'm going to give you guys a history of both the Titanic itself, um, how it appears and is presented to you in the movie and the majority of factual recounts of what actually happened that night. So production for the massive ship began in 1909 and was completed and set to the, or set to sea in 1912 by Harland and Wolf in Belfast. Belfast. Um, Okay. Belfast. I got got it. I got it. I got it. Because I said it last time. I know. In Belfast. Belfast. But also good a time as any to mention that you can go to Harlan and Wolf in Belfast and uh, there's an incredible Titanic museum there. Fuck yeah, dude. I would go there just for that. Really cool. And it's it's very new. Like it was built when I was living out there. Like it's super modern. And there's a gondola ride inside of it that takes you like through the insides of the ship. Like if they're building it, like what it would have been like building the ship out. It's so cool. That's um, fucking rad, dude. I'm here for that. Yeah, just like pull that out of the room requirement and put it here where it belongs. Yeah, where um, it belongs. You can go to Harlan and Wolf in Belfast, and it's very cool. That's sick as fuck. Um, engineered by Thomas Andrews, who was played by Victor Garber in the film, to operate by uh, to operate for the White Star Line, Titanic was touted as the most luxurious ocean liner of its day. She was the second of three Olympus class. Olympic class ocean liners operated by the white star line produced before 1915. The other two were the actual Olympic in 1911. And then the Britannic in 1914, the ship was believed to be the most unsinkable vessel mankind could ever produce introducing a revolutionary system of watertight compartments and remotely activated safety ways to stop water from continuing throughout the vessel, which we actually get to see operate throughout the film as each level starts to fill up. And it's how the majority of the engineering crew actually died is they were sealed inside per deck and it just, it all flooded. There was no escape for any, it's absolutely, it's terrifying. Um, when we first get our, or we get our first glimpse of Rose, which is an, an incredible shot. I'm just going to tell you guys this right off the bat. The turn or the the panning of her looking up and her face revealed, which, dude, I've always said this. I've said this from the beginning of time. Kate Winslet is smoking hot. I I love You're Kate Winslet. You're goddamn right. Dude, yeah. So the, <laughs> the first time that we see Kate Winslet, she makes mention to Cal when they get out of the car that the vessel hardly looks any larger than the Mauritania, which before Titanic had actually already been dethroned as the largest ship in the world by the Olympic the year prior. Though both the Mauritania and the Lusitania were touted as the faster ships even after the arrival of the Britannica. And it's due in large part because the ship Titanic itself from stem to stern clocked in at just over 882 feet and weighed well over 46,000 tons. To give you guys comparison of how uh, crazy that is it would have taken this ship if it had seen the iceberg over six miles to come to a complete stop insane and it was only going 25 uh, 25 miles an hour or 22 knots they talk about this in the movie too in the the like uh 1990s timeline when they're talking about what happened and he's like yeah. the, he had no idea what he was doing like he couldn't have like he was thinking that the ship, like the captain, right? That they were like thinking the ship mm-hmm. would operate like some of these other ships you're talking about, but it was so yeah. much bigger that it it just couldn't. It couldn't. It just- they had 
At 9.39, well, here, hold on, I'll get to it. On the morning of April 10th, 1912, the ship set sail from Southampton, England, bound for New York City a week later. Yes, the film actually takes place in the span of just four days. Like, I actually didn't know that till I started doing my notes for this. I thought they were at sea for, like, a while. But, no, they're like, yeah, they. Yeah. I was paying attention to that on this watch, too, and it, they do keep the timeline pretty tight. It is just a few days. It's crazy, dude. At 1139, Watchmen discovered a uh, <clears throat> discovered an iceberg off direct ahead and had less than 40. The helmsman had less than 45 seconds to react at which he was told hard to port, which means you lock that shit and you are going to the right as hard as you can or to excuse me, left. to the left as hard as you can. <clears throat> it, it didn't mean anything. It didn't matter at all. Again, this ship was moving at 22 knots, roughly 25 miles an hour or 40 kilometers an hour. The Titanic struck the iceberg hidden in the water on dead motion sea. Like there was no movement on the water, meaning that no, you couldn't see waves breaking on the glacier. This thing was invisible. It cut a 230 foot long scar across the hull, which allowed seven tons per second of water to enter one two, three, and four holes. That's so those dudes that are down there looking for Rose in the car dead instantly. They're oh, yeah. instantly dead. Yeah. That's so insane to me. The other crazy thing about this is that there were nine other ships in the general vicinity that had repeatedly told the Titanic, yo dog, you're headed for some icy shit right now. And it's believed that the white star line, uh, manager, uh, his name is Ismay, who's played by Jonathan Hyde, who we just talked about in Jumanji as the villain. Um, oh, yeah. He, yeah. He, um, it's believed that he received that transmission, told Captain Smith, yo, this is what I got, but never let him see the transmission again. And, in, and most people think <clears throat> that he did so in order to not only prove that the ship couldn't be sunk, but that it could deal with whatever was going on and prove that it could make better time than the Britannia or the Lusitania and the Mauritania. So now, hold on to that for me. And to just remember listeners that that's out there and that that was part of the real life story because um, this sort of like early capitalism and consumerism and mm -hmm. these kinds of like, financial competitions which is really what that boils down to right like yeah. we want to show that we were faster or we were better or i was better um is interesting to me so just keep that in mind yeah it does come back up quite often in this because this movie half this movie is about classes systems right um, it's like part of the themes which is how james cameron i think is so brilliant like these mm -hmm. things that were really true he really brings into the thematic stuff of like the drama so anyway carry on i just want to point that out <laughs> while we're there so aboard the ship at the time that it left aboard the ship were 2,200 passengers and crew with only 1,178 people's worth of lifeboats. Barely over half of the people on this ship, if this ship were to ever go down, could, could conceivably survive of the total number of people on board. It is believed that more than 1,500 of them died. And I have percentages based on records taken from the ships that rescued those survivors in percentages based on their classes of the crew. 
less than 25% of the crew survived. Again, most of them were in engineering, which means that they they were locked in there. They were dead. Third class survivors was about 25%. Second class survivors was about 42%. And first class survivors, 60% of the first class survivors or of the first class uh, passengers lived. 60% of the survivors were from first class. No, 60% of anyone that was labeled first class survived. Oh, I see what you're saying. I thought this yeah. was the percentage of the survivors. No, because then we're looking at like 152% right now. Right. But <laughs> yeah, so of the of the first class passengers, 60% of them survived, which says a fuckload about the priorities that the boats were being loaded with. Yeah. Um. And then lastly, the Titanic's final resting place sits at 2.3 miles below the ocean's surface, some 350 miles southeast of Newfoundland, Canada, and is quickly deteriorating, though James Cameron continues to make efforts to bring as much of the ship up as he can. What a James Cameron is just what a character, man. Like, yep. Um, and they only uh well, first of all, to this is going to be the longest episode ever, like stuff we like chose not to write down, but then I'm like, I still am here for, um, there's some kind of like special bacteria that's down there. Like part of what's taking out Titanic is this like, Oh yeah. Metal eater type, like bacteria that's down there. Like this particular thing is, is taking out the boat. Um, and also if you actually, if you look at recorded footage, uh, that James Cameron did for this movie back in 97, the ship looks nothing like that anymore. Oh, I bet. Yeah, I bet. It's like completely deteriorated. Yeah. Um, It's been a hot minute. Uh, And something else that I think is really interesting that we'll talk about a little bit more later on, but um, they only discovered the wreckage of the Titanic in 85. Yeah. It took them forever to legitimately locate where it was. They could not find it in all that time. It's insane to me. And it really makes sense looking back why our generation was, first of all, so fascinated by Titanic because it was discovered, you know, when we were uh, being, you know, being born in the millennials, right? Like they found it two years before I was born. So we kind of grew up with this fascination. And then they made Mm -hmm. this movie when we were all in middle school and it was just like sold. Like with just a whole generation of people who are just like Titanic crazed. Oh yeah. I'm like, dude, are you kidding me? Like we can find out like the, so the footage that they show, this is another rumor requirement thing, but it's part of this section of it is the footage that they show in the beginning of the film is actually footage from James Cameron's dives. Yeah. So all of that shit is real. Like that's real footage. They didn't just like recreate that. They did for a lot of stuff, but like a big part of what they say when they first start talking about is they had no idea where the second half of the ship was Mm -hmm. for a very long time, even after 85, because the ship, as he describes it, her big ass is up in the air or whatever. Yeah, bombing. And then, they yeah, land bombing. like half a mile. It's it's yeah. a decent uh, distance. Which is nuts, dude. That's yeah. so crazy. Yeah, and this, like, how cool just to find this relic that, because, of course, it goes down in 1912? 1912, yeah. 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 April 14th, 1912. That's right. I, I wasn't sure if it was uh, 1912 or 14, but it was the 14th uh, in 1912. But in any case, that's a long fucking time until 1985 right yeah like that's a really long time that's Mm -hmm. like 70 years and it's just crazy like this bit of history to go back down to and find it all that time later of of this this like 
incredible real thing that happened yeah. and to find it in the 80s and just like god so crazy so yeah. james cameron the greatest pioneer the greatest pioneer the last little thing i will let you guys know just to show you how absolutely terrifying this was and how unbelievably wrong white star line was the ship again was 882 feet long the scar that was cut on the hull of the ship was barely over 230 feet. It's actually estimated that it's only anywhere from like 220 to 240 because it's been deteriorating. So we don't mm. actually have a correct act- estimate. That means that 25% of this ship was cut open and it sank in less than two hours and 30 minutes. Insane. Yeah. There, Just- they, this was the biggest piece of overconfidence i've (laughs) i have ever seen (laughs) well isn't it crazy how the universe organizes itself oh yeah like of course this thing that they say it just cannot be done and it is done just very quickly and like a few days into the journey and just like and just yeah the story of the titanic really is a, a crazy thing that happened it really and truly is fucking crazy that this took place um yeah Let's get into the actual movie, though. Let's Enough of this historical stuff. Let's yeah. talk about the film. So um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet. Just, my God. They, they're yeah. kings of the world. Truly. <laughs> truly. It is just perfect casting. They both deserve the careers that this film gave to them. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I 100% agree. Um especially Leo because Leo wasn't even close to considered for this. It was actually supposed to be walking Phoenix's brother, river Phoenix, but he passed away in 1993. Leonardo DiCaprio was phenomenal casting. I love him in this. He's awesome, dude. Like, can you, this is the true litmus test of your nerdhood because literally a couple hours ago, I was talking to Nick about this and I was like, he was like, isn't this the first thing that Leonardo DiCaprio would No, he did. What's he being Gilbert Grape? Oh, I forgot about Gilbert Grape. Uh, that's also, a very good point because he was like nominated for that and it was a big yeah, deal how talented he, he was in it. And I forgot. But my question for you is, can you name that sitcom that he was on starring? Like, do you remember the name of the sitcom that he was oh, on in the 90s? Fuck. 80s and 90s? Um, All I could remember was that the family is the Seavers. Oh, it's Growing Pains. Yeah, he was on he was on an episode of Growing Pains. No, yeah. he was like a family member in Gro- he was on a couple seasons of Growing Pains. He was yeah, on it for a hot okay. minute. I remember. Um, great job. Ten out of ten, yeah. Scott. Good job. Because I could not remember. We were and and when I said the Seavers, Nick was like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, Yeah, but I can't remember what it was called, the Growing Pains. <laughs> he was on that and and yeah, you're right. What's eating Gilbert Grape? So that's yeah. my bad because he was like winning awards for Gilbert Grape. Yeah. Uh, so well, but I right before this Thanks to Nicole and her request, the year before this, he had just done, God, he had just done Romeo and Juliet. Was that um, done before was Titanic? Yeah. Wild. Yeah. Fucking wild that he was in all this stuff. And then, and then, but like, but Titanic happened and it was just his career just fucking exploded. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's crazy. People were in love. Mm-hmm. Absolutely in love. Um, he was the late 90s JTT. For sure. But like, I I don't know that you can compare anyone to the fame that Leonardo DiCaprio had when Titanic came out. I actually don't think that there's a comparison to that. Not in the modern day. Somebody who just comes out of like not total obscurity. Tom Holland. No, people are not. It's not like that. 
to the the amount of like this is your first love, like the real fandom that came up around Leonardo DiCaprio, like to be attracted to men in the year 1997 <laughs> and to be under 18. Like just to like I I can't tell you, like, there really isn't a comparison to what happened here. Like, the closest thing that I would compare the Leo fandom to in 97 would be, um, like, people losing their minds over, like, boy bands and stuff. It honestly is more akin to, like, how I'm going to behave at the Taylor Swift Taylor Swift tour. concert, yeah. And it is, yeah, it's very much more akin to the craziness that you see around it uh, bands and, and musicians more than it is actors. Like, it was unhinged it was next fucking level yeah. how in love we all were with leo dicaprio and it's because the chemistry that the two of them had like we can't discount kate it's perfect who, it's funny because the fandom spikes up around leo and everyone's just obsessed with him uh but kate's the one who gets nominated for an oscar yep right like she was incredible and it's their chemistry that made this so good and the fact that the two of them never apparently no never fucked they in so real life. did they say they didn't. Kate says no. that they never even were into each other. She said that. There's no way. Was. That's like saying that. Uh, uh, oh, God damn it. What's her name? Corey and Topanga. The actors for Corey and Topanga never. They dated because like, dude, you can't do that. You can't have this level of like, mm, like, no, right? you can't, I don't buy that. She can say Spider-Man. that all day long. Yeah. Literally any of the Spider-Man. Yeah. Um, I will say that. Um, when talking about this with my friend Nick earlier today uh, and talking about Leonardo DiCaprio, he did ask about Topanga. He, Topanga came up when we were talking about of like erratic moments did. from childhood. Topanga yeah. has already come up today. <laughs> Bro, Topanga to, to this day. anyone day. attracted to women. <laughs> Meanwhile, Topanga. I love her. I God love damn. the shit out of her. She was my first official crush. Yeah, she's... I, everybody I ever looked at in school they were compared to Topanga. I was like, are you like Topanga? No, cool. I'm not going to If you're not as good as Topanga, then you're not. And Topanga was just like, God, what an icon. Anyway, her and Leo <laughs> ruling the world. Um, yep. But whether, whether or not they, Kate and Leo ever were together, their chemistry is insane. Like how mm-hmm. much love they have for each other. And they're really, yeah. really close. Um, Leo walked Kate down the aisle. Well, that's what married. I was going to say. Okay, so that set, this not only exploded Leo's career, but it exploded Kate Winslet's career in a mm-hmm. massive way, and they became such good friends. Yeah, she he would he walked her down the aisle. They they talk all the time. Apparently, they've but, starred in other stuff together too. They starred mm-hmm. in um, what was that movie called? Where they're in a relationship again. Which is like, oh, was could be everyone anything. saw it because they were hooking yeah. up again in their 40s. <laughs> yeah, it was like, like this place, me up. The emotional uh, sequel to, to Titanic. <laughs> I think it's about a divorce. <laughs> oh, rough, dude. I know, it's like um, not cool. Anyway, um, they are really, really close. Their chemistry is incredible and their chemistry like makes this movie. Um, the next thing that makes this movie is the music by James Horner. The score is just phenomenal. Yeah. It's so good, dude. Like right off the bat from the opening fucking scene of them just moving through the water and the one chick harmonizing. I just, oh God, it's so good. That song is called Hymn of the Sea. It's six minutes and 52 seconds long. And it is the perfect song to listen to when you are trying to like calm down from something. 
Yeah. Like if you're just trying to collect your thoughts and oh my god damn it, dude, it's so good. It's so good. And then Celine Dion comes out of nowhere and I was like, you're never gonna believe this, but years from now I'm also gonna do the song for Deadpool. But for right now, I'm gonna do <laughs> the stuff gonna do this little song, this little ditty called My Heart Will Go On, which has easily become one of the best epic songs for a movie ever made. But the uh, well, but and just last last mention of the music was like I I know that Scott you listen to a lot of soundtracks and there are some some nerds mm. who that's like a normal thing for most fans or most people are not just like throwing on a movie soundtrack that's lyricless like that's usually like yeah like the score a, versus the soundtrack yeah yeah like a but people listened like I had the Titanic soundtrack on tape. Mm-hmm. Right, and there's only one song that has a lyric in it, but people listened to the score for this movie, like as a thing they were listening to, which is just so totally unheard of today. I just think it's worth mentioning that it was like yeah. the first time I'd ever seen that happen. Maybe outside of, um, I guess Star Wars might have been an, an exception, but you that was done it for like, but well, only like super nerds would have done that. Yeah, like yeah, like regular people. Um, well, and they also weren't readily made made like available to the public. Like now, I can go on to like the day that that Wakanda Forever came out. I already had the score on Spotify. Yeah, because you're a nerd, right? Well, like, no, that's- but that's what I'm saying. Like back in the day, it was not as easy to get the film scores for this. Way, yeah, and my heart will go on. It was as big a cultural phenomenon as a movie itself. Mm-hmm. Like it was just that song, and that song. I swear to God, similar to Frozen, I think that that song is the fucking reason that people review bomb this. I think there's a lot of people who got so goddamn tired of Celine Dion that that's why this is a 66. I swear to God, I think it's going to be, yeah, like why people rag on Frozen because they're so tired of their kids listening to Let It Go. But otherwise, that has nothing to do with whether Frozen is good or not. They're just tired of the song. I honest to God think that might be happening. That makes perfect sense because I'm going to tell you right now. We don't talk about Bruno was the the number one reason I did not want to watch Encanto. Yeah, and it's for so the good. longest time. Anyway, yeah, this movie changed everything. I I saw it seven times in theaters, like I said, and my parents weren't even mad. It was just like they weren't even like, oh my god, I'm so fucking tired of this. It was like mm-hmm. I'd be like, can I go see Titanic again? And they're like, yeah, we're gonna come. Like this was yeah, everybody s- wanted to such go. Such an event. Like I can't more so than Avatar. Yep. It really was more so than Avatar. Like people yep. who fucking were going and there was no gimmick. There was no come put on your 3D glasses. It was mm-hmm. just let's go see this movie over and the three fuck hours. over again. And like the shots, the cinematography is what we were going to mention. Like all the shots of the boat sinking, like what James Cameron did with Practical I don't know how effects, the CGI, he did it. dude. He, oh, yeah, he did. Unreal. Just- you said it later, but like I got, I do feel it's worth mentioning right now because we are talking about the uh, special effects. But it genuinely, the first time I saw this in theaters, genuinely gave me legitimate fear of heights when they're no, looking yeah. down. I was like, no, no, I can't do this right now. Gave me a fear of a lot of things. Yeah, like that's for sure. Um, yeah, it looks amazing. It sounds amazing. The acting's amazing. And like, (coughs) sorry, um, in the theater, like, so we spent like 24 hours of our life in the theater for this movie, (laughs) right? Um, cause it's so goddamn long, which is the other thing that's 
just insane. Like it was like the first the really time, yeah. long blockbuster like this. Like they this was really testing the waters of like how long will people sit and watch a fucking movie? And and prior really long movies like Gone with the Wind, which only got away with what it was because of how incredibly popular that IP was when it came out. But that, mm-hmm. you know, the three hour movie didn't exist before Titanic. Titanic came out and James Cameron just said, listen, I think if you make it good enough, people sit in the theater for it. And we oh, for sure dude. fucking did. Um, and this was also the first movie, at least for me, where I stayed into the credits. It Titanic had its own special little post credit feature, which was what my heart will go on. Oh, my heart will go yeah. on does not play the theme for it. The music for it plays yeah. during the movie. Not one lyric of my heart will go on. Not one moment of Celine Dion's voice <laughs> graces the screen during the runtime of Titanic, but yeah. it plays in the first credits. And even though I had the soundtrack on tape and even though my heart will go on played on repeat on the radio for 18 months, um, I still stayed because that was part of the movie, just like an MCU post credit was like, no, we mm-hmm. stay for my heart will go on. Right. And it was absolutely wild watching this movie because those words went in my head. We stay for my heart will go on, which it's just the number of times that we said that, that it was like, like saying, are you saying for a post credit? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's like this crazy muscle memory. And I did keep the movie on through that. And then when it switches into the next song from the score that plays over the credits, because it obviously the credits continue past Celine Dion. Yeah. Uh, that my body was like, get up, leave the theater. Like I was at, like, <laughs> there were just insane, just visceral memories coming through the whole time I was watching this. It was absolutely, dude, yeah, fucking crazy. Uh, I forgot that that's part of it. Like obviously, because yeah. like I'm at this point now where I'm like, God damn it, this song. But like, yeah, I would imagine back in the day, I'm almost positive when I saw this in theaters with my mom, I sat there. And just yep, and just listen song. to that song, yeah, dude, and just yeah. listen to it because I couldn't just Even like go. We like, had it on tape, like you yeah. could just listen to it if you had the soundtrack. If but... you had it, yeah, which I. <sighs> Celine Dion, crazy, yeah, unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't so... joking, by the way, guys. She does actually do the song for Deadpool. She that she really did do the song for the first Deadpool movie. So, in case anybody wants to go look that up. <laughs> She, I will yeah. have to keep that in mind with the next my next Deadpool viewing. Yeah. Um. All right. I will be goddamned. So, <laughs> this fucking movie, man. Just the like when I just wanted to like take a moment to address like before we talk plot and theme and like we're gonna do. I swear to God, an hour into this, we're gonna actually really dig in. Yeah. Momentarily, but. Just the really like visceral emotions that I had when this movie, when I put it on, like this, the opening act, I I don't even know if it's, I don't know that this is like a three act movie. Like this thing is kind of, there's a lot, this might not be that kind of structure. I don't know that you could really call it that, but the opening parts of the movie before we go into the past. um, Oh, right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When you start out and you start with the the dive team or whatever, like the sub is down there in the robot and they're, they're exploring the ruins of the ship. And this, like I immediately was like, Oh yeah, I remember why this won 11 Oscars. It was just like this really visceral feeling of just like sinking right into the past, into the ocean, these like preserved pieces 
of like who we all were and it just it grabs you and it's so well done with how it's like what the old version of rose and who she was and this like this world that we've lost and not just the titanic but the edwardian era um which is when like one of the british eras named after king edward right ends Mm -hmm. in 1914 two years after titanic sinks it's the last british era to be named after the ruling monarch right? Like the Victorian era, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, And the Edwardian era ends in 1914. And after that comes like the, well, the depression, first of all, which they mentioned in this movie, but like the Mm twenties, this, the change with the, of the millennium, the oncoming of the modern age and of capitalism, uh, just everything, like the confluence of all of that, this like old world Britain, that really sinks along with the Titanic and it, and it meshes so well with like the class messages of the film and this version of the aristocracy that starts to fade out. Cause when you think about wealth in the decade that, that this like kind of precedes like where we're all headed as a society, we're headed for, you know, another version of, of Leo DiCaprio in which he's like, super rich Gatsby right in the 20s Mm -hmm. so we're headed into like that that era and that that time in history and leaving so much of the of the old world behind with the millennium and it's just like so fucking palpable and it's contrasted so beautifully in the start of this movie with the undersea drones and the submarine which um, at the time, remember, they didn't even find this bitch until 1985. Like that technology yeah. in 97 was really still very It was new. top of the line for yeah. that time. But looking at it now, it's like, what? <laughs> like you buy that at Radio Shack. But like, yeah, it that 12 years, we had only found it for 12 years. And absolutely, this was at the height of people being like, we got to find out what else is fucking down there. We yeah. got to keep going down, man. And that's kind of like their whole point of what gets them like jazzed about this, finding this picture in the safe is they're like, they're running out of time. They're running out of funding. They are running out of time. They have to find this. Obviously the heart of the necklace or the heart of the ocean was not a real thing on the ship. It was like the, the MacGuffin for them to be going after, but like it's what makes them start going for this. And it gives you this sense of like, everybody wants to be down here and everybody wants to be looking for this shit. Yeah. Of urgency and of like how much it was part of the moment. Right. And just this contrast, I think of, of this like old world time that we have just societally left behind. Like it was a real turning point in human history going into the 1920s and the way that they work the diamond in and the fact that we open up on a treasure hunt effectively mm-hmm. really shows that because that's so much this like capitalistic thing that we're that has that just is so meaningless compared when you think about the whole rest yeah. of this story and what the messages are of the movie Titanic. And I think it's just so beautiful the way that James Cameron pairs it with the historical stuff and 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 moving forward from the Edwardian era and like Oh, it's just really well done, isn't it? Like it's just Rose moving into the new world. So that yeah, that's what that's what I was gonna say. It's it's personified in Rose. Like she learns that that's not the world that she wants to be a part of, but it's also not the world that anybody should really want to be a part of. 
it's judgment, it's classism, it's um separation of like all it's crazy dude and like her learning this in the span of four days yeah that might be a little bit like whatever but like even the first time we meet her cal's first comment is your your daughter is very difficult to impress so we already Mm -hmm. know right off the bat that she has these like lofty ideas of her life and what life should be right so like watching the this era come to an end with this ship going down and her forging ahead as a new, doesn't she, she gives herself a new identity, right? She says her last name she, is Dawson. Yeah, She takes Jack's name, but I, I think what's really interesting about it is like, yeah, she forges ahead and she does what we see in the pictures that she puts up as an old lady on the boat. Like she did all the things that she and Jack talk about. And like it her shows her do, yeah. like riding horses on the beach, you know, um, and not riding sad saddle and all of that. But I think what's, what's like really kind of interesting that James Cameron's playing with here is that like, yes, Rose goes to like seek her next thing. And it's like this end of an era and her moving forward into the new world and into America. But at the same time, we also see that like, it's, it's also still kind of plagued by all the things that she was trying to escape in Cal as far as like the sort of greed yeah, and capitalistic pieces because there's still a bunch of fucking assholes out there trying to find the diamond. Like at the mm-hmm. same time, not all that much has changed. Yeah, and it's, it's true. Yeah, it's it's really interesting. Like this, but I, I think that that's what what they're getting at here is that when the ship sinks and when that storyline is taking place, it's the kind of turning into this um, the super New capitalistic. Age yeah age yeah it's like all about this like turning of the clock i don't know it's just crazy and then the way that they do the imagery of just going down under the water like Mm. um just really really good well like it's the it's even like it's in the transition too when she's like when she's talking about it and it moves into the past like dude choosing to show the wreckage and then turning the wreckage into the real ship and that's how we went back in time is like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie it's so it's, cool. It's stupendous from stem from like start to finish. I will say this though. I I feel like obviously we know because that's how time played out, but I feel like this movie and showing this like destruction of all the people who represented like classism and greed and like old money is what they call them because that's why nobody liked molly brown was because they believed that's she a, was thank you this is kind of what i'm trying to say the new money is coming yeah that's new what this is, is all, yeah in. new money yeah. is here now yeah so that's that's you get you said it earlier with great gatsby because money that's, is good for, to be clear the old money people yeah. were still assholes but they were but still dicks. anyway that's kind of what this is all about right yeah. yeah um and that's why tom doesn't like gatsby in great gatsby is gatsby is new money tom is old money right but in this, if you if you think about it, this is also like a representation of like the things to come for people because we find out at the end when everything ends and we start going back into the quote present day. The first thing that Rose says is that she found out later on that Cal committed suicide when he lost all of his money in the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. So like even though nothing quote technically bad happens to him, in fact, he even kidnaps a child. Um. Which is just insane to me. Yeah. The fact that he's like, she's all I have. And he's like, I'm going to use the fuck out of this child. It's the absolute worst. Yeah. Um, But then he's like, he loses everything. 
he already lost everything once. And then he like slowly starts building or whatever, like gets back together or whatever. And then fucking 15 years later, he's like, "Mm, fuck. Like, I just, I think that's crazy. Like a lot of people, I was reading this and there were a lot of comments on when I was going through uh, IMDb that were like, I can't believe Cal didn't get his like just desserts. He was such a dick and he tried to kill them. And why didn't a piano fall on him when the ship got in half or whatever? And I'm like, dude, like if you think about it, he actually had the shittiest life after this. Yeah, he did have like a really immediately bad outcome. Yeah. Um, And I love that Rose like not only manages to handle herself financially, she obviously like, never sees any of her family again. Yeah. Right? And like makes a life for herself and like seems like she did pretty okay um, yep. and had a really nice life. Uh, didn't sell the heart of the ocean to do it. Nope. Never made a dime off that thing. No. Nope. Love that for her. Which I think that's now that's a good enough time to mention. Like, yeah, it's not real, but a real heart of the ocean was created. Um, it's part of my rooms requirement, but we're already here. So fuck it, whatever. A real heart of the ocean does exist. And it was crafted by Asprey and Gerard. Um, and it was a platinum set, 171 carat heart shaped Salem Sapphire surrounded by 103 diamonds with a chain of round pear and marquee cut white diamonds. This is the part that I actually really like the most is because again, princess Diana had just tragically lost her life. It was sold at auction benefiting both the Diana princess of Wales Memorial fund and the Southern California's aid for AIDS foundation in a, in Beverly Hills to an unnamed Asprey client <laughs> for a whopping one point four million dollars and to this day no one has ever seen it since wow the only time that we saw it was on the condition when it was purchased that celine dion be allowed to wear it at the 1998 academy awards and that was the last time anybody saw it insane that's so fucking nuts dude that this thing that everybody wanted became a thing that everybody wanted in real life Fitting that that Celine got to wear it though. No, right. I do actually really it's love legit. that. I'm like, yeah, that's like a legit. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, <clears throat> all right. Tell me about Rose. Let's talk about Rose. Yeah. I'm gonna read a quote that Rose says that just makes me just like stop everything I'm doing and just like pause the movie. <laughs> and Rose says. She, you know, she gets on the boat and she says that inside she was screaming, right? Mm-hmm. Which I always remember that. Anytime I've ever felt like that, you yeah. know, um, I always say that to myself. And when she's talking to Jack later, she says, the inertia of my life plunging ahead and me powerless to stop it. I'm like, I'm standing in the middle of a crowded room screaming at the top of my lungs and nobody even looks up. And this little monologue is just delivered so flawlessly by Kate yeah. Winslet. And I just think it perfectly encapsulates all the feminist themes of the movie. And it oh, just, it absolutely does. Like, this is what this is about. That's what Rose's storyline is about. She yeah. just doesn't want to live the life that has been set up for her. And the I love the way that she says, the inertia of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that incredibly relatable. Of yeah. Just life just pushing you from one thing to the next thing. And that before you know it just so you just you don't even know how you got where you are yeah like most definitely well and she's also like she makes it a point constantly throughout that like her life is not her own 
Like her mom is the one that set up the marriage to Cal because her mom wanted to stay in high society. Her mom's a widow. Her, their dad is gone or what, or like her husband, Rose's dad is gone. Cal very clearly doesn't actually see Rose as Rose. She is a, yeah, she is a possession. She is a thing to own because that's, you know, that's what people did back in the day. And that's a big reason why it's so powerful to me that she keeps this thing that he tries to show as affection, which is not real affection. He's just showing, he's just adding like a bobble to his other toy. Yeah, is essentially like how he sees it. Definition of a trophy wife. Exactly, and right off the bat, that's not how she comes off. She comes off as wanting to fight these things, even with the comment about like when I was watching it last night. When she first says, "She's like, it doesn't even look that much bigger than the Mauritania." Like my first thought was like, "Okay, maybe she's just like super snobbish." But it's the fact that she says it to Cal and not just out loud. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't fucking care what you say kind of thing that's how i took it. i don't know if that's like how it's meant she's or whatever, like, but what's was, the big deal yeah like, she's like who fucking cares than, yeah like even talking this thing up such a big deal well actually i think that's a good point because there are bits of her uh where rose is a spoiled little brat jack mm-hmm. says it to her too like she yep. is kind of like that's she how she's been brought up and she knows she wants something more she's a very jasmine she's a lot very of jasmine, jasmine. But what Very if I don't want to be a princess yeah. anymore? I'm like, honey, <laughs> like it's there's a lot of Jasmine here where it's like I'm not a prize to be won, and I, you know, a lot of that style of feminism, mm-hmm. except doing it like way better than Aladdin does it. Um, and because really she actually pretty- takes agency and learns and grows. Yeah, yeah, she actually like does something. Um, yeah, for sure. Oh, She's I'm like- telling you right now, dude. I this is the first time I'm going to say this ever, but I. Got massive. My goosebumps had goosebumps when she tells her mom to shut up about the lifeboats being separated into class. I was like, get it, girl. Mm." That was so fire to me. I like when she blew cigarette smoke in her mom's face. Oh, yeah, that was rad, too. (laughs) That was like, don't smoke. And she's like, suck it. Yeah, that was rad, too. (laughs) That was incredible. But no, I think I think uh, I think that's a good point of the way she talks about the Mortania. Um, because like right after she says the the quote where she talks about the inertia of her life yeah. and she's telling Jack all of this, like the next thing that she says to Jack is for him to go back to his part of the ship. Like she does have a lot of of built mm-hmm. in uh yeah. prejudice. Just systemic know? classism that's just yeah. like part of how she was raised. Yeah. Yeah, it absolutely. Um yeah, I think there's a lot of of inert or innate sort of prejudice that Rose has. And mm-hmm. I think it's interesting the way that they dig into it. Like she's not just this perfect like I already know everything. Like she's got a long way to go, but she wants to get there. She does not want to mm-hmm. be stuck in the life that she's in. And if if her story had like if she was more along the Jasmine route and the ship hadn't sunk, her story would have been like like the Jasmine version of it would be that her parents give her the approval to marry Jack. So, okay. I'm glad you say that because then that's it. Like that's what Aladdin is actually. If we want to like crystallize Aladdin right now, it's It's Titanic. Titanic If the boat didn't sink. If the boat didn't sink. It's my plot summary. Dude. It's the story of Aladdin. (laughs) Absolutely. It fucking is dude. And here's the thing, like watching this, like I was like, 
I mean, you go into this and you're like, oh, I wonder if the boat will make it. Like, no, no one fucking thought that when they sat yeah, down. Yeah, we know the boat's going yeah. down. We yeah. all fucking well, they, know. Make that. that clear, like, it's way before we meet Rose and Jack as young yeah. as youngsters. We know the boat's going down. We've already seen the 3D model. Like, we know exactly what's going yeah. on. Yeah, <laughs> like, we know where we're going. Storytelling by James Cameron of, like, and let let us not forget what is going to happen, which in a lot of parts in this movie, you I kind of forget. Because yeah. I'm really invested in what's going on with Jack and Rose. Uh, so that's and- what I was going to say. Like, I want a movie where the boat doesn't go down. Because I think it would be so crazy to see them have to deal with Cal when they reach fucking Manhattan. Cal tries to murder them, so he I really don't He straight up tries know. to kill him. Yeah. I, he is such a bad guy. I hate him. He is such a bag of dicks. Like, yeah, I is. just... Dude, and then he leaves his uh, – I didn't. I completely forgot about this because it's kind of like a blink and you miss it kind of scene. But he completely abandons his bodyguard too. Oh, yeah. His bodyguard dies. He's an asshole to, to his his like lurch character guy. Yeah. You know, he's so – he's so much the worst. And, and for Rose, it's like she wants to stand up to him and she does yeah. initially. And then at their little breakfast, like he hits her. And knocks everything. Does he hit her or does he just knock everything over and scare her? Pretty sure he knocks. No, I think he just slaps her. He definitely knocks the table over, but I think he also slaps her. Yeah. I think I can't remember actually now because he definitely knocks the table over and gets over. It gets like up in her face. Uh, And and she really kind of doesn't know what to do. Right. It's like she knows that she's in danger from him. Like and her mom has made it clear how much financial power that he has over them. Mm -hmm. Uh. Yeah, I hate him. He's the worst, and he poses a real, real threat. You're right. Like I don't know what it what what this would have looked like, um, minus the boat sinking, because like that's scary. Like I would love like an alternate like multiverse version of like how yeah. do they escape? Because there's so long to go still. There's like another week to go on the ship. Like no, so a long time to not be to like try to prevent Jack's murder. Anyway, we could go down a big rabbit hole on that because they would have been trying to kill him. Yeah, like they would have I mean, totally they lock had him, up him arrested. While the ship is yeah. sinking. They, they actively lock him up while that shit is sinking. Like there's water in the hallway already, and they're like, oh, "This will be fine. Whatever." I mean, him and everyone else in third class, right? Like, True, they do get locked down there. Yeah. God, dude, that's fucking nuts, man. Yeah, it's just I. So I think it had the ship not sink. I think they would have tried to find some way to off him mm-hmm. before I'm they s- arrived. So I don't know if you are aware of this, and I'm going to tell you something that's going to like kind of blow your mind right now because I just found this out right now. Like Rose right is now, seventeen. Well, yeah. I thought she was like twenty. No, it's the year nineteen twelve. She's just barely like not yeah yeah that this makes this so much worse for cal well because yes um you know when she's talking about the recently married countess or something she says she's my age and she's in a delicate condition see she's trying to hide it quite the scandal oh yeah even though like they're yeah it's like Mm -hmm. yeah and she says she's my age it's because they're so young um Fuck. okay i hate that and like already married and like yeah like it sounds like that was like a shotgun wedding yeah um, big time two pregnant for the length of the marriage and 17 i think is what that was about um but yeah so rose is the best but she's in a real predicament here like mm-hmm. cal has a lot of power over her and he is just the worst but i like watching him in the end 
the way he like gradually loses confidence that he's going to survive. Yeah. Like you would think at that point, like he would stop being trying to like pay people off or like give a fuck about the diamond. Yeah, for real. Like, but I guess in his mind, it's like, well, if I die, then fuck it. But if I live, I've got this money, I've got like all this power and shit. Like, yeah. yeah. But he's very confident that he's going to make it. I mean, why would you be chasing them with the gun at that point? Like, he's so confident he's going to make it. He doesn't feel like he has to do anything to bring that to fruition. Yeah. Like, he just, it's just insane. And then he does live. Like, that's what's insane. And it's this weird message where, like, they, at one point, he's able to pay off the boat guy, right, to for a spot Murdoch, on the lifeboat. Yeah, who is based on a real character. There was a uh, <clears throat> there was a sergeant at arms named Murdoch, or second lieutenant named Murdoch, and he did really um, man the lifeboats. However, and this is I was going to put this in, but I it, there's already so much stuff in here, but but we're doing it anyway. I Everything know. that we omitted, we're still talking. <laughs> no, here we are. Um, so <clears throat> when the movie first came out, Murdoch's family actually hated his representation because he worked really, really hard to get everybody on the lifeboats. He never got bought off by anybody. He never took bribes. None of that is accurate. But they're like, it makes him look like such a scumbag. Well, he like shot and killed people. He kills uh, Tommy. Who yeah. I'm, I'm going to get to that in a minute too. Like, God damn it. The one negative thing I'm going to say about this movie is Jack is a fucking shitty friend. Oh, no question. Jack is just like, Dude. forgets his friends immediately. And he's just like, when he sees him, he's like, Hey, what's up? Like, yeah, that's great. Good to see. You. I'm like, how close are you guys? Because For real. I get that you're in love deeply and that it's the most important love anyone's ever known, yeah. but like, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. Um, <laughs> anyways, uh, but no, so he's sorry. He to close that thought. Uh, at one point, he he does take a bribe from mm-hmm. Cal, but later on, he throws that money back at Cal's face because he he's like, "We're all going to die. Like, fuck yeah. you. I'm, I don't care about your cash. That doesn't change my calculus right now." Yeah. And um, it's funny that he tells Cal like, "Your money can't save you anymore." But at the end of the day, uh, it it kind of did. Like, he still manages to like. Well, I guess his manipulation. <laughs> I mean, he literally kidnaps a child. Yeah. 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 And he's like, true. please, she's all I have. That's okay. I will say this, though. The smartest thing he could have done was gone to a different boat. Granted, Murdoch kills himself after he shoots Tommy. So, um, but there's no one else around to recognize Cal at this point. So he just mm-hmm. finds a random kid and is like, please, I'm all she has in the world. And yeah, there's and so much panic and people, are, yeah, that's and there's true. so much panic and like there are people that are like, what the fuck or whatever. My question is, and I know we'll never get the answer to this, is does he keep the child? No, he has already given the kid off to one of the other women. No, he doesn't because him. as soon as they sit back down on the lifeboat, he asks for the girl back. No, later when they show it, he does for a little bit. But later after everybody's dead, after it's like you're not being. Oh, when they're on the like, rescue ship. Yeah, he's already okay. given her up. Damn, um, what a fucking dick bag. Okay, yeah, never mind. He really is just the worst. God. Um Okay. Um So you let's go to a real party. Yeah. <laughs> let's talk about this class situation. <laughs> I love when they go down to party mm-hmm. down there. That's like such an iconic scene no. when they're partying in third class and seeing the contrast. 
it's a really good juxtaposition between like these people are first class, they're upper class, they're supposed to be sophisticated, and they're the ones that are supposed to be happy with their lives because they have all this shit, and they look stuffy and miserable mm-hmm. during that dinner and, party. And everything in the movie is like full of characters who think that wealth is going to make them happy, right? Mm-hmm. Rose's mom, everyone in her orbit, mm-hmm. Cal with the diamond, um, and and even the guys looking for the necklace. In yeah. the present timeline. And Rose and Jack are like the only ones who really understand that like money is not what's going to make you happy. And Jack didn't try to steal the necklace, which honestly, that was the part of the movie that was the weirdest to me is that Rose, even for one second, believes that Jack tried to steal the necklace. Yeah. And like believes them. And then also is like willing to let them just take him <laughs> away while she like maybe gets on a lifeboat and like is yeah. going to the lifeboats, like not even thinking about it. Like, oh, I guess he stole from me. Well, screw the guy. I lost my virginity to less than an hour ago. Like, what? Like, what I'm sorry. Fuck, you dude. still have like hormones running through your body at that point. Like you're not, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. That was a little bit uh, of a weird stumbling point that she even for a second buys that but i guess if you're thinking like well we're all gonna die like i need i'm not gonna lose my life for this guy i just met that's really what she's i mean yeah probably is like well there's okay fuck this guy then yeah here's the other thing i don't get about this though like when cal shoots at them with the accuracy of a stormtrooper (laughs) (laughs) why does he start laughing that she has the diamond because of the irony, just because of how insane it is, just how crazy that that's what happened. Like that he was just in all of it, that he was going to lose the diamond over this. I think that's uh, fucking, I just like, I was watching that. And even, uh, even Lovejoy is like, what could possibly be funny right now? He's just he's like, I put like the a panic response. Yeah, yeah. He's just having like a, are you kidding me? Like he's just panicking about everything. And it's like, I was like what's the point in trying to go through any of this mm-hmm. if not to come out of it with the diamond and like what the fuck and what are we gonna do and i think it's just like he's he's just panicking yeah. um what is it that they say uh well when they're cleaning out the safe he's like i carry my own insurance policy and then lovejoy's like me too i've got a gun lol yeah right like <laughs> but he i yeah fucking cal I didn't enjoy that when he was trying to chase them with the gun. And then it was over so quickly that I was like, okay. I was like, are we jumping the shark? And then I was like, ah, it's probably fine. What? Yeah, I don't know. It just like at that point you have like nothing left. The ship is sinking. Everything you love is gone. Like I understand he's being at the, he's not even at the end of his rope. He's fallen off the rope at this point. Like he's let go of the rope. But in my head, when I was watching this, I was also just like, what are you standing? What do you stand to gain from killing both of them? Like, I don't I just I don't get this. at all. He's just so mad. He's just so jealous and pissed and just acting crazy. And that's what I mean about like his weird, like confidence that he's going to live. I'm like, Mm -hmm. dude, fuck chasing these guys. Like, go get yourself a plan. Like, how are you going to get out of here? What is your plan to not die on the Titanic right now? Because chasing these guys down and and then they run into it it's like where it's the water's deeper and it's just looking like really serious situation to be uh committing crimes of passion like you would think you'd let it go yeah i mean he's wait it's not like he's splashing he is wading through that entry yeah, it's hall. like it's, it's like waist high deep. yeah yeah it's like really it's so beautiful isn't it how clear it the is, water is but it's also kind of irritating that no one is like whoo whoa whoo Except for Jack and Rose. And Cal Rose, is just yeah. like, I am so cold in the heart that this doesn't affect me at yeah, all. Yeah, Jack didn't feel that at all. Yeah. Jack's <laughs> a nice monster. 
<laughs> or sorry, Cal, not Jack, of course. Cal, yeah. And Jack, of course, was nothing but heart. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this movie was like the first time that I'd really heard, like, I don't know. Not that I'd, I guess that's not true. I've just, I just remember, I remember how often they said shit in this movie and that it surprised me. I guess I was only nine. Well, I don't think we get an F word at all. Yeah, you do in the beginning. Uh, you get your one PG-13 F word in the very beginning of the movie. Uh, and the guy with the, the smiley face with the bullet says something's fucking something. And he says, sorry, sorry to the old lady. Oh, lady yeah. Okay. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I can't yeah, remember yeah. the line, but he does he does drop an F-bomb and then apologize. Yeah. Okay. Um, Scott. Oh, my God. Draw me like one of your French girls. <laughs> I feel like that is infinitely the more famous line from this movie than more famous I'm on top than, of the world. Well, I was going to say then I'll never let or go. I'm, I'm king. Of the, oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. All right. You're right. I'm king right. of the world. I'll never let go. Draw me like one of your French girls. But let me tell you, this movie provides three iconic sayings that have gone down in just societal history that are so different from one another that they all kind of reign in their own genre. <laughs> like, cause draw me like one of your French girls is like a joke, like a meme. Like yeah. you, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't know where that comes from. Oh, I'm sure there is. And I say that shit all the time. The one that like people are tired of is I'm king of the world all the time. <laughs> are you serious, dude? Like every time I'm like, I'm in my car or like I'm with Chris or what? like, dude, per, perfect example last time we were at magnums i'm pretty sure i said it because we sat down in these like really comfy leather chairs and i just like sank into it and i was just like chris he's like what i'm like johnny like one of your french girls (laughs) (laughs) i'm almost positive i said that but it's like that i there there are three different phrases and they are used in such different ways yeah but definitely people are tired of the i'm king of the world thing i think if i owned a boat I would strictly push people overboard if they ever did that on my ship. Yeah. Or on my on my uh, boat. That one's died a little bit and I'll never let go also has yeah. died off a little bit. Draw me like one of your French girls is having its sort of uh renewal era. Like Revive. it's actually like, yeah. yeah, a lot of there's like a lot of people <laughs> using that meme like in the last, you know, that's been sort of this decade's yeah. go to Titanic quote, which uh, and honestly it's the best one because was there ever a love story more powerful than Jack and Rose? Nope. Like, name a more iconic couple. Like, I this, can't. it was so steaming hot. Like, yeah. ladies, was this anyone else's first boner? Oh, like, when it, like, <laughs> it felt, it felt like my first boner all over again watching this. It really did. It truly yeah. felt like it was just, I could, it was like I was nine years old all over again. And, in the most erotic moment of my life like that was like an awakening of like they and i love when rose says that speaking for all millennial women when it like it, it's like this insane uh scene with him drawing her and it flashes back forward and she's like it was the most erotic moment of my life up until then at least and i'm like you speak for all of us you're goddamn mm-hmm. right like it was like <laughs> and all the dudes in the boat are like goddamn like <laughs> It's, I, yeah. I want to know what this was like for you because as a as a young girl, and it is crazy thinking about it that I was ten. I was ten in ninety seven, so mm-hmm. I would I turned ten that year. Um, and it's really crazy to think because obviously you're a little kid. You're not. You yeah. obviously are not uh, 
you know, kissing boys mm. at 10. But I still do. I do remember this moment as being the first time that I thought that something was sexy. Because yeah, kids prob- start to have those feelings younger, right? Like little boys start to have boners when they're that yeah. age, right? Like what was this like for you to see this at the, and have it like being the, that the age that we were when it came out? You were, I guess, a little bit younger than I was. I was. Yeah, I was nine. I I remember thinking, am I supposed to be watching this right yeah. now? Yeah. Like, yeah, like, cause it, first of all, it comes out of it nowhere. It didn't go over your head, right? That, I guess that's what I'm saying. Yeah. This was the first movie that I saw as a kid where the sex did not go over my head. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to ask what them putting the hand on the window. Yeah. yeah. I didn't, I knew exactly I what knew was happening, what was going even if on. I didn't know all the mechanics of it. Right. Oh yeah. Like I, you know what I knew mean? That like, was a car. I didn't know how you started it. Like, yeah. I, like you know. I maybe didn't know like all the finer details about yeah. sex, but I certainly <laughs> knew they were having sex and yeah. It didn't go over our heads, and it was live in theaters in front of us. We were mm-hmm. supposed to be there. This wasn't something that we caught. Like, we shouldn't have watched this movie, or it was older, and we were allowed to, like, an old movie that had been out. Like, this was yeah, meant exactly. for us in that moment, and it didn't go over our heads. Like, what what was this like for you? Such a so, crazy thing. up to this point, like, I yeah, I'd seen nudity in, like, other movies. Like, my mom raised me on scary movies and shit, so I'd seen, like, slashers and whatever. <clears throat> but this was the first time where my first of all, my mom did not try to cover my eyes. As far as my memory serves me now, um, I remember thinking she is so gorgeous. And I remember using the word gorgeous because I didn't think beautiful worked. Like it didn't seem like that was the word I was supposed to use right there. Like and that's not like, enough. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck, dude? And then as I got older, it really kind of like weird, not weirded me out, but it was just like, it was this odd feeling of like, why didn't anybody stop me from seeing this? But my dad had to come with me to see the first jackass movie and like forbade me from seeing South park, bigger, longer and uncut. Right. But, but we so, could see this. Yeah. But it, I could see was, this because it was just this really, like, I think like, really done. thinking about it, it was, yeah, it was not, like gratuitous at mm-hmm. all um but it was really steamy and you did see kate winslet like you don't see full frontal nudity um but you do see her boobs and it's done so it like you said it's super tasteful yeah. um and it's very romantic and it's mm-hmm. very like rose says the word erotic is in yeah. the movie like it is the definition of erotic and it's yeah. just like but without being gratuitous without really being inappropriate I guess it was like appropriately yeah, it, erotic. It didn't feel like somehow. I had to like I had to be like, well, like no, nope, got to cover my eyes. Like it didn't feel like I had to do that. But also at the same time, I was like, I want to come back to this movie. Yeah, like I want to watch this again. This was awesome. It was absolutely the first thing that I thought was sexy for mm-hmm. sure, without question. No. Um, well, and so here's another good example. I've seen Top Gun. There's a sex scene in Top Gun. Of, yeah, I guess of him and Charlie making out in bed. Like it doesn't, it's not nudity like this, but you know, exact. it's probably more directly a sex scene than this is. Yeah. And my mom covered my eyes for that. But this, I, I, nope. I were there start to finish. Something about the way this was done. Yeah. And, and the other thing I wanted to ask you was like, did you, did you feel like this was a girly movie? 
when we were kids? Or did this feel like this is the phenomenon that everyone's going to see all the time? Because it it was sort of Schrodinger's girly movie. Like yeah. it, it both was and it wasn't. Uh, and I think that's a, where a lot of the review bombing comes from as well. I would have to say at first I was like, this is a good movie. But then when like my friends in school and you know how you're easily influenced in like sixth and seventh and eighth grade and whatever, people are like, dude, that's just, that's such a stupid love story or whatever. Then I started thinking about it and I was like, the only part of this movie that's like really good is when the ship starts going down to me, like at that time. Well, I got that now, but like, yeah, but like. At the no, time, it's actually, I was like, I'm like being facetious, like, cause I, cause that way love the love story. Right. Cause I'm like, we'll totally happily turn the, the movie off when they hit the iceberg. I'm right. Like, exactly. I so like, see that. I sad. had friends, I had friends who had not seen it and they were like, wait, you got to see Titanic. I'm like, yeah, dude. that's also another crazy thing about this movie was there were people who didn't see it that were amazed that you got to see it. Such an icon. I mean, and that was always my favorite part of the movie was when they're like happy together, like mm-hmm. right before the iceberg hits, like right, know, when right they, before like, shit happens, right when the iceberg <laughs> hits and they like run up on deck together and they're having the best time of their lives. That's when I like urgently turn the movie off. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> like you scramble up to like pop it Just out like, of the VHS oh, and that's shit. Enough, like, that's enough. It's that's enough. That's how it. That's how it ended. That's how it ended. That's how it ended. <laughs> and then they lived happily ever after. Like I just. <laughs> it's they were just really something though but it is interesting how this was both a girly movie and uh the top grossing movie of all time for a really long time which doesn't happen for like a girly rom-com that's just not you have to appeal to such a broad audience um to do what this movie did financially that it's crazy that it was sort of um in the zeitgeist as a girly movie at the time and i think a lot of millennials remember it that way um, yeah. I think a lot of people are like, oh, the fucking love story. And it's like, yeah, but the the way this film is made, the mm-hmm. way the story is told, like how great. Um, I think over time I started telling people I hate that movie. Yeah, I think a lot of people did. And I, th- yeah. I think uh, I think it's really shitty and an interesting example of the way that things that are perceived to be feminine are you know translated into being bad even when something is object as objectively good as this movie is like let's just be real like this was incredibly powerful Mm -hmm. amazing filmmaking um but if it becomes associated with being feminine it becomes bad uh and i think that that's an interesting thing that happens in pop culture and i think that it happened i think i think for boys at the time like when this came out like if i told somebody like dude i love titanic i just saw that last night that movie was dope Obviously, I would use a different word than dope, but um, that would have been where nine years old was where I was starting to learn that, like, there are things that guys like. There are things that girls like. Guys aren't supposed to like girl things and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. And so I also started learning, like, judgment from other kids and, like, trying to fit in with shit. And that's why I around that time was probably when I started telling people I was a Star Wars fan less and less. Because it wasn't cool. It wasn't a thing yet. Like sure. people, you wouldn't, you know, like <clears throat> Pokemon was big because Pokemon was something everybody was into. Everybody loved Pokemon. Yeah. And, but you know, you're talking about pre prequel days for Star Wars. To be clear, Star Wars became cool again when the prequels came out. Um, but you're right. When this movie came out, it would have been uncool to be a Star Wars fan for right. the most part. But yeah, I think it's, it's just that sort of um, this, this, fear that is still very much in the culture but more so in the 90s that like 
to like something that's perceived as feminine or to be perceived as feminine will like immediately ruin your masculinity that like as a guy, like Mm -hmm. it's over for you if you're perceived as feminine. Um, Definitely something that's happening with this movie. (laughs) Uh, But uh, while Rose, Rose is a feminist icon. I do want to point out in terms of like their relationship stuff that she absolutely lacks the life experience to have survived this on her own. Oh yeah. Like I just Rose is great. But like we said before, like she is very much a pampered rich girl who like turns her life into something fantastic and moves so far beyond that. But at this point in her story um, really would not have made it like no. they are like Jack gets them through this to the extent that they are actually the last people on the boat. Like, he's smart enough to keep them on the boat for literally as long as possible, Like, yeah. which is, like, he's, Jack's fucking brilliant. Um, he even tells will... her, which I think is, like, one of the smartest points in this whole movie, the boat is going to, the ship is going to pull you underwater when it, mm-hmm. when it submerges. You need to let it happen and then swim back up. And I'm like, dude, okay, legitimately right there. If Jack had been shot and Rose somehow ended up in that same situation, it panic, panic drown. She's dead. Absolutely. Well, because the people who were the other sort of second smartest people to Jack were the ones who were jumping off the boat earlier, but didn't didn't hit the propeller, which was one of the most iconic moments in film history when that guy hit the propeller. That is a terrible Uh, scene to watch. There is one scene in this movie that I actually had to skip and I think i've talked about it before um and other movies like um crimes of grindelwald is a really good example um i have a really hard time separating my nephews and my niece in stuff yeah and there's a scene shortly before they end up back on deck where they find the little kid just standing in the hallway and then the dad comes back around the corner, finds him, grabs a suitcase, and they start running back down the other hallway. And that's when Jack is like, holy fuck, you're running the wrong way. You guys need to come back. Like, you got to come back this way. And as soon as he says, turn around, the door bursts open. I, dude, I didn't need to see that. I didn't need to hear that little kid screaming. I didn't need to see that water just completely engulf them. That was so rough, scary. dude. That was so fucking rough to watch. Yeah. I feel you like there's there are some tough moments towards the end of this movie which we'll talk about like holy fucking shit um i do want to give props to rose for having used the whistle in the end Mm -hmm. which i think especially under those circumstances like your brain's not working very good oh no you're in shock 100 percent big your big smarts not not working goodly (laughs) it's like not going it's not going great uh probably for rosa in that time so uh i was pretty impressed that she figured out to grab the whistle Mm -hmm. um and that she had the strength to blow it yeah which she didn't at first and she's so devastated like she almost just oh god anyway so what a what a horrible moment when she has to pry his frozen hands off of hers and it's just like rose he was i love how like jack knew that he was gonna die and he's like because he was he knew he was gonna die the minute that he was still in the water almost everyone in the water died like i didn't she say like four people survived from the water i don't know showed them pulling like less than 10 at best like 
No, but I think she, I think old Rose says it in the beginning. Oh, right? she's yeah. like, yeah, they only pulled out like five of us or something like that. Yeah. yeah, I think she mentions it's like four people that got pulled from water, and I didn't I didn't Google that for accuracy. I kind of think if they're given that number, it's probably correct. The other numbers they give are, are yeah. pretty right. Or it's just for dra- like dramatic emphasis that she is one of the only people that was able to get back on the boat. Yeah, but I don't think very many people survive the water. Like no. that was a bad situation. <clears throat> no, if you um, if you for some reason didn't go down with the actual ship, the minute you hit the water, that was basically a guaranteed death sentence. Yeah. Well, and it's so scary when she's like, "It's getting quiet." Yeah. And like, I guess this actually takes us into this section. Um, for those in peril on the sea. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's talk about some of the foreshadowing of what happens here. Yeah. Um, because the first bit of foreshadowing is. I mean, the first bit is the the first sort of half of the act of the movie where they tell us what's going to happen, right? Where they give us the well, 3D yeah. model and they say, this we is what happens to, to see Titanic. what went down. Yeah. yeah like we, <laughs> we've seen the ruins. Like we, so the first bit of foreshadowing is the explicit description of what's about to happen later in the film. Yeah. But the, uh, in timeline foreshadowing, like in, in 1912 scenes, uh, the first bit that we get is, is when Rose is thinking about jumping off the back of the ship and he says, this is what will happen to you in terms of temperature and how cold it is. And like, I don't yeah. want to jump in after you. Like when they meet their whole little dramatic meet cute. Um, but what I sort of uh, missed as in viewing as a kid is this song that they, this same, this hymn that they sing uh, the morning of the sinking. I believe it is that morning. Right. And Jack is trying to like, he's already been ostracized. He like has yeah. to steal the coat to kind of surprise her and try and get her to talk to him. Like mm-hmm. I believe that that is the day that the boat goes down and they're singing a hymn and the last lyrics of it. And they zoom in on Kate Winslet's fate, uh, face is for those in peril on the sea. Yeah. And it's like, Oh yikes. I didn't catch that in all my yeah. prior viewings of this movie until this one. Yeah. That's um, uh I actually didn't pick that up either until I read your note and then I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's right there. And I'm pretty sure that is that morning. Yeah. I'm I'm almost positive. It is that morning. I actually am positive of it now because Jack's wearing that coat later when they, they're like, he stole the coat too. Oh yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. It is that day. Um, and then the, uh, right after the hymn, the captain gets the first report of the icebergs. Mm Mm-hmm. So again, like I said, with historical context, guys, the ship had been being told about icebergs from nine other ships in the area. So this was not a surprise that these were going on, like that this was out there. And we actually have a discovered lockbox with a journal that talks about how Ismay, the gentleman played by Jonathan Price, who was the operations manager of White Star Line, saw the communication that they're they were headed for ice fields and basically didn't let the captain see the note. He told him that's what it said, but he didn't let him see it so that they could post it <coughs> so that they can they knew what was going on. The level of negligence that leads up to this shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. If you've been paying attention to how this this shows the greed and selfishness and single-mindedness yeah. of the classism, like classism, this, this foreshadowing this, like, has been going on the whole time. Like, let's do crazy shit. Like it's crazy how much it's part of the real 
like yeah. that the real world just had this like sort of narrative arc in real history. Yeah, that it, like, like it, that, that this wasn't part of the story that got made up. This is legitimately what happened. Yeah, and it's so much in line with Jack and Rose's like star-crossed lovers. Like that's what I really keep coming back to it that that's what's so brilliant about this film because the star-crossed lovers over, you know, class differences is like not yep. that interesting of a story. It's kind of like, like whatever. It is Romeo and Juliet. It's been done a lot. It's been done enough to the point that like Aladdin had done it like four years before this. Like it's just, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's 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 done. Yeah. And Romeo and Juliet. And like it's just, we get it. Like that story is, it's not that there aren't good stories made from it. It's just, it's by itself. It's not that interesting. But when you combine it with this like sort of inherent narrative arc to the true history of the Titanic, it really yeah. marries nicely, doesn't it? Like it's- Big time. It's it's I think it's what makes this movie so good. Um, but they get the reports on the iceberg immediately after we get the conversation about the lifeboats, which is like the most famous thing about the Titanic. I think before this movie was made, the thing everyone really knew about the Titanic was that there weren't enough lifeboats. And that's why so many people died. Rose even says it. She's like there. People are drowning. The lifeboats are being loaded too quickly. Half the people on this ship are going to die and there aren't enough lifeboats. Yeah. And obviously you're going to get Cal's two cents, not the better half. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, everybody knew that was one of the first things that we knew right off the bat. It was one of the first things that I, I think the ship that saved them was called the Carathia, but it was one of the right. first things that they asked was where the fuck are the rest of the lifeboats? Yeah. And they're like, that's, this is it. That That's, and- this is all who we are. And they talk about not having more, like there could have been more, there's room on the deck. And they talked about it like taking up the like the luxurious walking space. Mm-hmm. Like it's all this very capitalistic stuff, right? Yeah. That's like the coming of that as this old age dies and moving into this idea of like, we're gonna make money by doing all this crazy shit, right? We're gonna we're gonna make space at the cost of whatever. Andrews says it to Murdoch. Not Murdoch. He says it to another one of the lieutenants. He's like, I saw, but these were these were tested to house 30 men of full grown size. And I just saw a boat leave with only 12 people in it. I think it was 60. I think it was 60, oh, 60 men. Yeah. On one. yeah. And only it only had 12 people. And he's like, what the fuck are you doing? And then later we see him and he's like, I basically killed these people. Yep. A hundred percent. Yeah. He even tells Rose, he's like, I'm sorry that I didn't build you a better boat. I know. Oh, he's yeah. a great character. He's he a great is. little tertiary character. And, and he I really did go down with them. it. Yeah. Him yeah. And, and Captain as, Smith. As the captain. Yeah. Yep. That's a and hard they, scene to watch, too. That's like one of my biggest fears is he's they, fully submerged yeah. in that room. Uh, what scares me is not the fact that he was submerged. What scares me and what should scare all of us about flooding in deep water is the, sh- the fucking glass flying at his face through it. Like guaranteed oh, yeah. he bleeds out before he drowns. Like he got hit by a full window of shards coming at him. Like it's fucking Dumbledore versus Voldemort at the end of the fifth. That's block. the best scene. I know. Oh. Uh, don't worry. <laughs> Max is going to do it again. Not HBO because they're dropping the, the successful part of their branding, but whatever. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that I understand that. I'm like the one thing they in your whole that. fucking conglomerate. That's this is like the fourth time they've changed their name too. So it's like, unbelievable. HBO, know. you do not want to drop that from your marketing. <laughs> Who? What the fuck group did you test this on? Like all the rest of your stuff is terrible. All right, but they okay. They dedicate 
a surprisingly long stretch of the movie to the captain, though, and this sort of like tertiary mm-hmm. group uh, doing the math and realizing they're going to sink mm-hmm. um, before their little mini plot collides with Rose when she talks to Mr. Andrew about the lifeboats, right? Yeah. Like there's there's a surprisingly long bit of the movie that is them working out what has happened because everyone feels the boat uh, be hit and everyone, like the people who are on deck, like see the iceberg. Yeah, there's kids um, playing there's- with pieces of ice. Yeah, they're like playing football with that. Well, playing soccer with that. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but mostly people don't think the ship is going to sink. First of all, right? Like they think, like you said, like it's almost like they were being blasé about it. Like it's the unsinkable ship. I fucking dare mm-hmm. you to poke a hole in it. Let's see what happens. Well. And the crew, when it does happen, are kind of like all right, well, we're straight, right? Like, are the doors sealing? Are the things happening that are supposed to happen so that the boat doesn't sink? And they're like, yeah, we're sinking in an hour. That's how he tells him initially, because that's what Ismay runs in, because he's there from the beginning. Uh, Ismay, uh, Jonathan Hyde, uh, runs in in this white and red striped robe and is like, why have we stopped? Mm -hmm. And the captain's like, we need to evaluate the level of damage that we just took and whether or not the security measures are in place and that we've actually remotely sealed all that stuff. At first they are confident that the ship has been effectively sealed. And then Mm -hmm. captain Smith starts doing the math and that's what we see him doing when he starts getting reports, he's getting engineering notices and stuff like that. That's when he realizes, Oh my God, start unloading the fucking lifeboats like immediately. Like we're going to sink this boat right now. Yeah. It, they they really do a great job of introducing us through the movie to these tertiary characters. Mm-hmm. We know who everybody is. We've seen them talk about like the lifeboats and the like. The foreshadowing is great. Like all of the they do a great job of um, expo- expositing yeah. um, to the audience. Like this is kind of our exposition group. Like the whole way through the movie. Like they sit down with their rich friends and they're like, "Well, I built the ship to." You know, they they do a lot of the exposition around like the boat and like what's yeah. on the boat and what's going to happen uh and making sure that the audience like is fully aware of all of the very real incredible fuck ups around the setup for the titanic um yep. and and we see the guys who are looking for the icebergs like we get a really nice stretch of the movie before this collides with rose uh and jack and then and and i love watching how like Everybody thinks that everything's fine up on the upper decks. Yeah. Right. The upper class is like, they're like, well, can I go get my whatever or call me when it's like they, cause yeah. they have no idea down oh, no. below. There's already water and they're already being locked in. So they already know everybody's already dead in the engine room. The captain and, and this group of, of knuckleheads already knows what's going Like they're having their little plot trying to figure it out. Um, but only really Rose and Mr. Andrews have clocked the lifeboat issue in the beginning yeah. and the audience. And it's this incredible bit of kind of dramatic irony because we know and Rose knows and we're, I don't know that it technically qualifies as dramatic irony because Rose does know, but it's really fascinating watching all the way up to the end. People realize that there aren't enough boats mm-hmm. um, and that that trickles down. But we start out with that knowledge most people before they even go into the movie, right? That that's what happened. Um, And it's just so hard to watch, but um, I do think that, that Jack and Rose escaping the flooded E deck 
is the scariest thing that's ever happened to anyone ever. And and my great fear is like the water rising up and you're like stuck in the and they're tra- and with the key nightmare nightmare fuel. Oh, yeah. and you're and this is where the kid and his dad die and it's just like all the water like rushing through the hallways yeah. like we see the two old people <sighs> s- uh, acknowledging what's going to happen and just laying in bed with each other yeah yeah it's <clears throat> i gotta tell you like one of my favorite scenes as far as acting goes one of the best scenes is when the crewman locks the door and tells them they have to go back the other way and leo just loses his mind yes yes it's it's literally it's one of my favorite parts in the whole movie yeah it's it's a really really great acting moment for leonardo dicaprio and then watching rose uh like because that's when he decides okay well fuck it i'm barging the door right or that's when him no that's that's when they get to the other place and he finds fabrizio and then he finds tommy and he and tommy pick the bench up yeah. From which and, has been stapled down, which I didn't realize until this fucking watch through that that shit has oh, been yeah. secured to the ground. Yeah, they ripped that out of the boat. Yeah, they I, rip it up and then Tommy punches the guy because he's like, You can't go through there. And then they yeah. start making their way up. I also enjoyed that when Leonardo DiCaprio goes ballistic. And I like yeah. Rose's response to it. Like she just is like, okay. Like she sees what he's doing and yeah. she's she's so here for like whatever. Like to just to follow Jack's lead, um, and and she gets that he's smart and she is on board because I don't know that she would be able to figure this out on her own. But I like how she gets everyone the fuck out of the way. Like she sees what he's about to do and she's like, "Clear out! Like fucking move!" Because everybody everywhere is panicking. Oh and yeah, all at the same time. It's it's gonna look like that wherever they go. Yeah, and they do like such a good job of showing the panic and showing how above the panic Rose and Jack are in a lot of different mm-hmm. situations. And this is one of them where it's like if you're if you're really panicking, you might not realize that you might want to get the motherfucker out of the way of the guy who's barging the door with a like fucking bench. bench. Yeah. yeah, right? Like you and and if you're not in a total panic in a life or death situation, you probably do pretty quickly get out of the way of that and like see what's going well, you on. You also in just the room think of doing that. As a team and yeah, yeah. like barge and like, but uh, they totally wouldn't have moved. I don't think we're oh, not, not a chance. So no. I love that, uh, that they show Jack and Rose navigating the panic and, mm-hmm. and same with when, after they, uh, come up, uh, in the water and the guy's like trying to grab onto Rose and panicking, like the panic yeah. of all the people in the water and they get out of that. Okay. Yeah. Like he's like, swim, I need you to swim. Like they, and they do that. And like other people aren't thinking about these things and they find the door. Like Jack has it together. I want a Jack prequel story of what fucking trauma this kid went through that he was prepared to be like completely wits about him throughout this whole situation. He tells her he's from Wisconsin which right there would immediately make sure that tells me he knows about the winter. So he's sure, going to yeah, know what sure. ice well, he's can already do. explained that he's already talked right. about, but he's he also world traveled. Yeah. He talks about having fallen through the ice. He's world traveled. He ended up from Wisconsin somehow in fucking Paris. I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, and then now they're in Southampton. Um, yeah. Jack is really the only person thinking on the whole of the Titanic throughout this thing. Um, how the, like 
and just the, and the real the fact that this really happened. Oh, I know. And Jack and Rose, who we now care about way more than any of the <laughs> real people, yeah. are like on the back of the boat, and like the way that it was described, and her ass is just bobbing in the air, and and then you're thinking at this point in the movie, you're thinking back to old Rose and the way that she just like listened to them so nonchalantly show this like boring 3D graphic of this happening, and then you're seeing what it would have been like for her to be in it, and it's just like unbelievably good filmmaking. Like this movie yeah. is really high quality more so than i even expected and i have always loved but uh yeah i think those are all the main like really the shit that i have to say (laughs) i i guess let's move into rumor requirement for whatever we haven't covered yet yeah let's 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 just let's let's just spew this out like real randomly um for whatever we haven't touched on I would like to mention how unsafe it is when they do King of the World. That oh, dude, they're both standing. Not King of the World. Sorry, that's earlier, and it looks a lot safer when nope. Jack takes Rose out there. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, when they're doing the actual, because even the I'm King of the World thing, like oh, I guess they're not moving. Never mind. So I'm the King I was of the mixing world this. Is not together. Jack and Rose. It's yeah, Jack and that's uh, him his buddy and Fabrizio when they first get there. Yeah, exactly. Rose isn't there, but when he takes Rose later and she's like, I'm flying, Jack. I can fly. Um, <laughs> they uh, And it's like so – it's such a gorgeous scene. But that is unsafe. They are both standing on the railing. Jack doesn't have like, hey, you stand on the railing and I'll hold on to you. It's like, you stand on the railing and I'll stand on the railing and we'll both put our arms out. And he doesn't even wrap an elbow around like the fucking rope that's there or whatever. They are just freewheeling it. Just, I can't believe they didn't die. It was so unsafe. I was like, Jack, in no way do you have her. Like, the vertigo that I felt watching that scene. I just... So, I just want to state that for the record. That no, that's 100%. That incredibly irresponsible and the least intelligent thing that's, that Jack does in the whole course of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Stupidest thing ever. Um, Other room of requirement stuff. There is a legitimate video, and I will try to find it, and I will try to post it on the Patreon for you guys, of a video of teenagers learning that the Titanic actually existed. There are kids no, out there. No, isn't this the one I was talking about earlier where they find out that it that Jack no, no. and Rose weren't real? Is this a separate crazy video? Separate That's why video. I skipped that comment because I thought that was the one we touched on. Nope. There is a That's video where teenagers find out that the, ta- the Titanic is based on real historical events. Um... <sighs> Yeah, the vertigo thing, fucking seeing. The, oh my god, dude! Just like even thinking about that ship is fucking insane. Um, can we debate the door? We can't debate the door, except MythBusters Everybody- already proved that Jack could have fit on the door. All right, so let's clarify this for any listeners who somehow don't know this, perhaps our younger listeners, that there was like mad controversy over whether Jack could have fit on the floating door with Rose and therefore both of them lived because it's pretty clear that the reason Jack li- dies is that he's he's in stuck the in the water the whole time. Yeah. Um so Mythbusters did it. Mm-hmm. What happened? Mythbusters proved that the door for the material used at the time could have held the weight of both of them. <gasps> Jack didn't need to die. Nope, he did not. I agree that they uh at best, like didn't try hard enough. Yeah, right? that's my, that's always been my thought of like, okay, yeah. we are not making enough of an effort. And also, not that I think this would make a great difference. It probably wouldn't. But I'm like, Jack, you want to move your body? 
Like, yeah. there are ways for you to stay warmer. Like, I, we could, for instance, continue trying to get onto the door would be warmer. But I, I also think Jack might have at that point been like, okay, we're not both making it. She needs to stay as much out of the water as yeah. possible. We're probably both going to die. Like, he's long accepted his own death at that point. I think that's movie, it. So. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, Mythbusters set the caveat that the only way that they could have survived without the the boat or the door continually ducking under the water multiple times is if they had put Rose's life jacket underneath the door at the oh, base see, of where they were. Happen. Yeah, that's there's no way they could have done that. Or, yeah, they were too cold to move that much. Like that's yeah. a lot of effort. Like Yeah. Um, at that point, and things no, are I don't. sketchy and it's dark and it's yeah, I I don't see that. Yeah. Okay. Um here's something that's fucking insane for literally anybody that's about to hear the words coming out of my mouth. A boarding pass in 1912 was broken up obviously into classes. With a first class ticket on the Titanic being sold for four thousand three hundred dollars, which is obscene that's even obscene. today. Yeah, even for today, like, that's outrageous. Like first class anything, like suck it. Like even though that is like first class plane tickets, definitely cost more than that. But, well, yeah, but here's the still, crazy. Back then, that's fucking no. Wild. That's that's okay. So just thinking about this right now, Cal spent thirteen grand just on no no my god he no he didn't he's oh my god fucking me, dude. he spent seventeen thousand dollars on just the four of them because lovejoy needed a ticket too right holy lovejoy shit might have been in second class i don't know or maybe he's oh he could have been yeah Who knows? um speaking of a third class ticket cost 36 dollars a Which third, would have been a lot of money. That would have been a lot of money. But I'm thinking about this now, and I'm like, I would go back in time and the buy despair. it and buy like a fucking. That's gas. That's gas for me right now. That's three streaming services, and I would say that out loud on the Titanic, and they'd be like, "Who the fuck are you? You sound like an insane person." I would hope that you wouldn't board the Titanic. No, obviously I wouldn't. But like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like that's such a crazy. <laughs> if you were to go back in time to 1912, I would think any other oh, boat to America would suit, but yeah. except for the Titanic. Literally any of the other nine boats out there. Yeah. Yeah, there's lots of other ships options for you to take that are not Titanic. Um, but no, that's a crazy amount of money. I mean, it's like like thirty bucks. I mean. Not to go across the Atlantic, but that's like the cost of a ticket for something. Sure, an Uber yeah. or a like, oh yeah, you know, yeah, like it would have been so much money then. That's insane, like, dude. It's yeah, um, and and the forty three hundred for first class, and there was so much stuff on there. Right? Dude, like he the, brought the his car. Had he had a safe. They had a pool. Um, mm-hmm. which I don't remember if they show it or not. I'm pretty sure they do when Jack first starts showing her his drawings. Uh you can see it like in the background or something. But the pool or the, the pool? No, the pool was like on the ship. It wasn't like in their quarters. Like there was no. A pool I got that. That's what I mean. But like, boat. yeah, I don't remember. Seeing I don't know it. if you see it. Um, but there's yeah, we've got photography, dark rooms, smoking lounges, a Turkish bath, uh, multiple Turkish baths. The gym. We see the gym. We do at one point. Yeah, we get to see a gym, which is cool. Yeah, that was um, pretty rad. Yeah. <laughs> Full on luxury cruise. Yeah. Well, for a time. Three days. Um, there was actually an alternate ending shot in which Rose does give Bill Paxton the heart of the ocean instead of dropping it off the back of the boat. But decided not to do that. Which I gotta tell you, I'm kind of 50-50 on that. 
I feel like her giving him the heart of the ocean would have been this rewarding thing for him. Like, obviously he's like excited. Like I got to hear this story and this is crazy or whatever. But like, I also feel like that can't take you to the bank, buddy. Like, no, I mean, I think that the, uh, I think the heart of the ocean never coming to anyone's financial gain is very much within the themes of yeah. this movie. I think that, well, like, that's, that's saying, like, not I'm what's supposed it. to be good. Yeah. Like, like I'm yeah, not mad. I, I'm definitely not mad. And I really like the idea that like, cause one of the questions that gets asked about this, that, that I had immediately and then thought about it for a second and I was like, Oh yeah. Um, but it's like, why the fuck did they fly her out there to fly the old lady out there? Like, why didn't they? Oh yeah. Like, why didn't they send someone to talk to her at her house? Yeah. They're just like, what the fuck? Why aren't you, why didn't she have a little phone conversation <laughs> or find out what's going on? Like, why are you flying her and her goldfish and her, like this whole, this is like so unhinged. Like, why yeah. are you, why did they do this? Or, and why did, why did Rose want to do it? Right. Cause it seems like she, like they would have just had a phone conversation with her and said, what do you know about it? Yeah, that's why I think they were setting up for her to give him the necklace. Like, that's the only reason that makes sense for her being there. Is no, she's like, I, I want to tell my story sense. and then be like, here you go. I've had this the whole fucking time. I think what makes sense for her being there is that she wanted the chance to go back out to oh, the where, it, where happened. it happened. Yeah. Uh, and say goodbye to him and get rid of it. Because she's clearly been holding on to it her whole life, not telling yeah. anyone and not selling it, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. And like living through the Great Depression and holding onto that diamond, oh, like all yeah. of the things, like all the ways that you could have, and you have a family, and like all. I the also ways don't get that why diamond. though. Like it was a gift from Cal. Why should she care about that? I don't know. I think it, I think because the message of the movie is that the wealth that the diamond brings is bad. That oh, that so it's like a pearl that's situation. Not the life that she okay. Wants. Yeah, that that's not that's not the way. This is not the yeah. way. With that diamond, I think she way. knows that, and I think she doesn't know what to do with it because she knows that what she can't do with it is sell it or have monetary yeah. gain from it. I and think she that's can't fair. tell anyone it exists because all it does is draw greed, and so she just sits on it and on her story. She says she's never told anyone. Yeah, she says she's never Jack. even told her daughters or her granddaughters who the person who her husband. Yeah, she's yeah. like, I never even told your grandfather this. Yeah, that's she held on to this nuts, her whole dude. life. Yeah, and so she takes the first, like the opportunity that she has to say, "I'll I'll talk to you about it," but um, and I'm the woman in the picture and all the things, but you need to bring me out there. Yeah, uh, and that she goes out there in order to throw the diamond away. Yeah, I think that's fair. That's I, I'll I'll take that. Speaking of the research festival uh, vessel as well, the research vessel that Paxton and his crew are operating on is called the Academic Mitslavis or Mistislav. Keldish, and it is actually the real life vessel that James Cameron launched all of his personal dives from. His name is James Cameron, Cameron, the greatest greatest pioneer. (laughs) (laughs) And Bill Paxton's character is actually based on he's based on Jim's or Jim. Jim. I think we've known each other long enough that I can call him Jim. I think so too. He's based off Jim Cameron. Yeah. 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 Um, Um, I did so much. The coolest, like that tracks that. Absolutely tracks. Um, and I, I love, I love James Cameron's dedication to his shit. Like I, oh, yeah. I know people joke about it, but like James Cameron went to the Titanic. Like you can't say that he didn't. Like 
he did he went out there and he made this like fucking incredible like flawless movie that won the still is the most number of academy awards and was the highest grossing movie ever for over a decade and just like and he went down to the titanic like he like we can shit on him all day and i will continue to on the avatar franchise and like a lot of it but like James Cameron did do all of this. Like, oh yeah. It's, it's not, you can't like, you can't disperse the accomplishments he actually did make. Like, yeah, like, fucking, if you guys haven't figured it out, I'm not a fan of avatar, it. but yeah. And here's another crazy ass fucking thing that I just learned that Lindsay didn't even know. Um, James Cameron is actually the one that drew the portrait of Rose and the scenes yeah, in which, I didn't know this. yeah, that's crazy. Cool. The scenes in which uh, Jack is drawing her when it's just the hands painting, that's James Cameron doing that. That's totally awesome. Wild. I think it's rad. Yeah, go James. Like yeah. I just I don't feel like we should be smirch James not, Cameron. Not Honestly, Titanic was so good. So, what do you what did you give this movie? What's your rating? Oh. oh man. This is uh this is where things become a problem. Nicole, you might have created the first rift in our rating system here cuz I Probably would have to give this about an eight five. Really, an eight nine. You're gonna go with the eight. critics on Rotten Tomatoes? Yeah, and honestly, the only reason is because there are parts of this that just feel so long, like them going yeah. back into E deck, and I'm like, look, I get it, dude. Like you guys had to go back down there; you're being shot at. But there are parts where I'm just like, that's you guys were down there for too long. I agree. That was the one part of the movie that I was like, what are we still doing here? Like, what the yeah. Like, why are we, why is there gunplay and how are we back under deck? Yeah, like, exactly. I, I, it just, that was, it just, it didn't yeah, sit well with me. So I was like, I got to dock it. But like the things, <laughs> no pun intended, but the things keeping this afloat for me, absolutely. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's phenomenal acting, his just incredible leadership skills that just materialized out of fucking nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, the score, the visuals, and how much I hate Cal. Yeah. Every time he was on screen, I was like, he's a villain that you love to hate. You're like, I knew from the beginning of this fucking movie that I was supposed to think you were a piece of shit. You're the worst. Him and Umbridge, right? They're oh, both really God damn it. that kind of bad guy who you just, God damn it, are you ever like the best bad guy ever? If like, I ever write a book, that's my villain's name. Kaladin Umbridge. Kaladin Umbridge. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a great name for like a really obnoxious cat. Oh my God. It's so wood, dude. <laughs> Holy shit. Um, what did you give this? I, I don't I even gave, know why I, I asked this. <laughs> I gave this the perfect 10 out of 10. I didn't quite yeah. crank it up to 11. I thought about it. Did you really? Um, that would have been two in a row. I've been given a lot of things in 11 as of late. You have. So we're, but, but this movie was very good. Um, and I agree with you that I think that stretch is probably what stopped it from being the 11. Like it yeah. is just a little long, but I also, I really like the way it uses a lot of its runtime. I like the way we had these like tertiary casts and like the mechanics of how the ship is sinking and how everyone realizes it's sinking. And like yeah. these two incredible epic plots happening side by side, because you could have a movie that's just this crazy love story. Star Cry. You could. Oh you yeah. Could you could put this anywhere. Yeah. Right. You could make the movie Aladdin um, or you could 
have like a, a straight disaster film that like has some character stuff happening in it, but not in the iconic way that Titanic does. Yeah. Like they create a love story that is like transcends the disaster movie it exists within. Like the two things could be separate, but James Cameron's like, fuck it, let's make it three and a half hours and we're just going to do both of those movies. And it's like, okay. Like, and it's. <laughs> it's <laughs> you got it, champ. It's just crazy, right? But I but I agree. There's maybe a little bit in there that we don't need, but for the most part, I'm pretty happy with the way yeah. that he just said, you know what? I don't care. I'm going to make both of those movies you just described, and it's going to be three and a half hours long, and it's going to change every, like, all of society, and like, okay. So it's, yeah. Th- I mean, this gets a 10 out of 10 for its cultural impact alone. Oh, like, for this sure. This movie was just a big fucking deal. Yeah. Um, I may actually I, even change it to a nine two. I may bump it over the nine for the cultural impact. Yeah, I think I'll sit at a nine two. That's what I'll do. You get to decide whether that's part of your score or not. Yeah. But I think it's not unreasonable to include it because it, it. I mean, it still has the Oscar record. Like it's it's crazy. yeah, exactly. People still say I'm king of the world. Draw me like one of your French girls. People <laughs> still hate Celine Dion. Like <laughs> I love that that became a joke when it was such a. I know. <laughs> Um, this movie fucking slays thank you Nicole for having us watch it thank you and happy birthday again and happy birthday yeah I hope you get to watch Titanic for your birthday and listen (laughs) to us talk about it for the same amount of time that it takes to watch the movie probably at this point or listen to this episode at this point shit that's what I mean like (laughs) listen to us talk about it for as long as it would take to watch the movie Oh, that's rough. Yeah, Um, but this was fun. This was really fun. I enjoyed this. We're, uh, yeah, I'll take us out of here to something Lindsay's probably not going to enjoy. Um, As always, thank you guys all so much for joining us tonight. We do hope you enjoyed yourselves and maybe even learned something. There was a lot for you to learn this time, so hopefully Mm -hmm. you did. Uh, Please be sure to join us next week for the Hunchback of Notre Dame. We are back with Disney. Yep. Woof. Be sure to subscribe wherever you guys listen to podcasts as well as follow us on all of our social media. You can find the links for our social media and our sites in the episode descriptions. If you'd like to support the podcast, we encourage you to follow us on the Patreon where you can find all of our show notes for each and every episode. Make sure to check out our website for all the timeline goodies, including request the timeline. That's how you got this episode. You guys want to see it? We'll make it fucking happen. We love you that much. Even if it's for like your anniversary, you're like, I love Arbor Day. Guys do a movie about what a fucking I don't care. We'll do it. We'll make it happen. But I would um, like to hear from the audience what movie you would like to see for Arbor Day. What's, know, what, what's, yeah. what's out there for you guys? What do we? What's what's your Arbor Day special? Is it just two two hours of tree beard talking? Because I'm here for that shit. Yeah, I kind of do feel like the two towers is the correct <laughs> movie to watch for. <laughs> yeah. So we solved it. There we go. All right, never mind. Don't answer. Don't write it. It's the two towers. Yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> Uh, But yeah, let us know, guys. We will make it happen on the timeline. But until then, stay nerdy.